Hey everyone, welcome to the Game of the Year Awards for Sifted Games at Sifted.net. We're about to count down the very best and the very brightest from 2020 from just about every platform. Uh, we have 24 categories in this year's awards, although we have done a little bit of shuffling. There are actually three categories that are not going to appear in this year's awards because there just really weren't any games in those genres. It's really kind of crazy, but fighting games driving games and sports games we do not have those categories this year um but like i said we still have 24 so uh, we have a lot of exciting categories for this generation but we also have at the very end our generation awards where we will crown the game of the generation and the platform of the generation so this year the award show doesn't actually culminate with our game of the year we have bigger stuff after we crown our game of the year. Um, just a couple logistics we want to get into. Maybe you haven't watched our game of the year uh, uh, awards before. Um, we do not look at this like we are the authority. Uh, when we when we did our game of the year awards at Game Trailers and we had like 10 to 12 people working on them, we felt a little more confident that we could reach a consensus and probably come up with a pick that probably for most people, they'd be like, okay, I get it. This is Matt and I. Um, these are the games that we like. Uh, the other part about it is that we may not have played some games. So there may be a category where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Shane picked that game for that category. Uh, I may not have played it. And it may be the same case for Matt. In a lot of cases, when we go through these categories, we will bring that up. Like I will say, there, I know one category in particular where my winner probably shouldn't be the winner, um, but I did not play what should be the winner. So... Just wanted to put that out ahead of things before we start getting into all the categories. And again, we have 24 and we don't have time to waste. So we're going to get straight into it. We're going to kick things off with best first person shooter. Um, another thing I should say is for most categories, Matt and I just have one winner a piece. When we start getting to some of the more interesting categories, then Matt and I will have a runner up and a winner. Uh, but for these first kind of genre awards, generally just pick one. So Matt, what is your winner for best first-person shooter? And actually, we can say this one together. It is Doom Eternal. Yeah. I don't again, know how in sync work. that was. <laughs> it doesn't work as well as when we're in the studio together. This is what I was talking about earlier. I'm like, it's just weird trying to play off Matt when there's a delay. Um, now, this is actually another category where I feel like there might be a better option that I didn't play. And I think that game is Half-Life Alex. Like, I think that might actually be the best first-person shooter of 2020. I don't have a VR helmet that I can play Half-Life Alex on. I didn't get to play it. So of all the, all the first-person shooters I played this year, Doom Eternal was the best of the bunch. Um, and Matt, did you play any other shooters this year, or is this just like your one game that you did pick? This is it. This is okay. the only the only first person so shooter. This was your default choice. Well, you chose wisely. Yeah. It's, it did end up being like the best shooter of the year. Campaign in the game, really well balanced, really intense. Um, after playing bouts of this game, I felt like I needed to take a shower sometimes. Um, hmm. It's just one of those games that's just relentless and it never lets up. There really aren't any peaks and valleys in this game. That may be one thing that that may turn people off to the game, but it's Doom. Like, I don't, do people expect a valley in a Doom game? Um, I would say this, though. I think there are more quiet moments in this than there were in the reboot from 2016, which I think was really just relentless. Uh, but some of the new gameplay mechanics and tweaks that they added to this, um, I don't think I really understood or appreciated those until I saw someone else play the game. <laughs> if you watch somebody play this game who is good at this game, 
that I think may make you appreciate it more than actually playing it yourself. The tools in this game and the traversal options, like what they do in this game, good players, I didn't even know was possible. Like some of them never touch the ground. Like they just fly around the, the map. So it takes a great shooter with really solid, reliable mechanics to be able to provide those kind of gameplay opportunities. And this game does it. And on a base level, as someone who just played it on the ground, like a normal human being, I loved it. I had a lot of fun with it, but I will say this. I could only play it in short bursts. It was hard for me to sit down and play like a five, a six hour chunk of this in a row. Um, but I loved every minute that I played it when I was ready to kind of uh, re-engage with it. So uh, just polished, really slick, runs like a beast. Um, some of the stuff that they've been doing outside of the campaign, really interesting and fun. Um, I feel like the polish in this game and the cinematics was even better than what was in the 2016 version. I think it tells a better story. I think in pretty much every way, it's better than the 2016 reboot. So uh, best first person shooter. And also, I mean, if you just look, there weren't a lot of great shooters. Most of the shooters that were good this year were also RPGs. So it's a little tough to find uh, other nominees. You know, there just weren't that many good ones. I think probably Half-Life Alex deserves the award more than Doom Eternal, but I didn't play it. Uh, I tend to favor innovation. And so I think if what people say about Half-Life Alex is true as far as its quality level, um, if it is indeed that good, I probably would have picked it because it's way more innovative. Um, but as far as what I played this year, I can't give an award to something I didn't play, which is why I spent this entire weekend playing a bunch of stuff. Um, unfortunately, because I don't have uh, an expensive VR HMD, this was not a game that I had an opportunity to play. So there you go. Doom Eternal, best first-person shooter of 2020. Next up, a category that sometimes goes hand-in-hand -hand with best first-person shooter, and that is best multiplayer game. Um, now, this casts a wide net. Multiplayer in 2020, especially, comes in so many different flavors now, Matt. Like, it's pretty crazy how many different ways you can play with or against other people now. Um, and again, like we were talking about in episode 241 of Game Face, Left 4 Dead kind of inspired that whole asymmetrical, kind of cooperative, kind of competitive thing. Um, and we're seeing that just blossom throughout the industry. We just saw it at the Game Awards with The Evil Dead, the game, um, and Scavengers, and so many other games that we saw at the Game Awards. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, holy crap, that genre is really exploding. Um, so anyway, multiplayer can come in so many different forms. If you look at games like Overcooked, where you're cooperative cooking stuff, like it's just really exploded multiplayer gaming in the last like three or four years, at least in my opinion, I think it has. So this is becoming, for me, more difficult year after year because there's other things that you're considering now um and so with that in mind matt what is your favorite multiplayer game of 2020 um well it was the only multiplayer game i played for any real length of time uh which was star wars squadrons wow um which again i did not actually play very long i'm not like, saying wow at squadrons by the way i'm saying wow that it was like the only multiplayer game you played all year i i mean and this might this might just be me getting older although it's always been more or less true outside of fighting games i could not possibly care less whether i'm better or worse at a video game than someone else but you do um, with some genres though like with fighting games you can. i just said with the exception of fighting games oh oh i miss it um like but i just don't I'm not, I don't have any competitive spirit, really, in terms of anything outside of fighting games for the and most part. that's what part. it takes. You're right. Um, I don't care. Like, it's not important to me. Like my, my, my you have no esports dreams or delusions. No. My, my competition <laughs> circuits are centered on other things. Yeah. Um, I mean, if fighting games, yeah. If you, if you want to 
if you want to come at me on a fighting game thing, I will I'll end you. Um, I'll go in a training mode for a week to like come back the next week and be like, okay, you want to, you want to, you want to go? We'll do that. But outside of fighting games, I really don't have that multiplayer on squadrons though. Yeah. I've been wanting to play a a modern multiplayer version of X-Wing versus TIE fighter for 20 years and they more or less delivered on it. Um, I don't agree with some of the weird kind of arcadey touches they threw in this thing. Um, like the, the drifting and stuff like that. I think, I think, uh, damages the sort of pure. Yeah. It actually uh, hurt it more than it helped it. Yeah. It became a bug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like overall, as a realization of like start, you know, X-Wings and TIE fighters fight blowing each other out of the sky, like they pretty much nailed it uh, on a base level. Um, they just put out a new patch that tweaked a bunch of stuff that helped a lot. You know, they put uh, B-Wings and TIE defenders in the game, which is the real thing I wanted them to do. I didn't think we'd get, but we did get it. So they did a good job. They've done a good job supporting it, um, which is something I don't think was a guarantee uh, when this thing came out, like we, you yep. know, there was a, a, a really good chance that that was just going to be a release and EA was going to let it fly and that was going to be the end of it. Um, but I guess it sold well enough to warrant a little extra work. So that's cool. Um, it's nice to see uh, a multiplayer Star Wars thing that isn't just like, let's make Battlefield again. And they haven't given up on it like you feared, Matt. You were afraid yeah. that like they'd bail on it and like the updates wouldn't come, but they haven't. They've stuck with it, which is yeah. really, I think, really I important. Think it, it bodes well for maybe the possibility of getting a because this is clearly not a full fledged game. Yeah, yeah, a, of course. It was a mode for Battlefront Two that basically got broken off into its own yeah. release, and it was a budget uh, release too. So. Yeah, you can you can tell like you can tell in places like certainly presentationally in terms of like the non gameplay areas. Yeah, but I think it bodes well for maybe we'll get a full a full fledged uh, game, especially with uh, Patty Jenkins doing a Rogue Squadron movie in twenty twenty three, which is I, not related to the games. <laughs> No, <laughs> not related. Well, Rogue Squadron is a bigger thing in the Star Wars universe right. than just those games. Although I think that might finally get us that trilogy remaster. That's true. For Rogue Squadron. It may. It yeah. may. I mean, they're going to strike while the iron's hot, that's yeah, so for sure. From what I can tell, Rogue Squadron, uh, the movie takes place after Episode Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, which will be interesting because I didn't expect them to ever continue the timeline past that, uh, especially because it requires you to acknowledge the events of episode nine happened. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the logo is uh, the logo is a sequel era X-Wing. So okay. um, I think that's what they're going to do. And uh, so I'm, I'm holding out hope that this is kind of a, a blueprint for something in the future that would be more robust. Because right now it's basically just like they added Deathmatch, which is, you know, it was just cool because you, know, you didn't have like a simple mode Wait, yeah. mode to play you know like yep. like you don't always want to play the the 15 20 minute long fleet battle nope. mode, you know like it's just, it's just <laughs> a long thing and yeah. and the kind of the objective based you know standard mode like ranked mode like just it's fine but no one plays it like that like you know it's it's everyone you always win or lose based on how many people score points by shooting each other down like it's no just one like call of duty it's right. the same thing they put all these modes in it and in the end of the day people just kill each other and that's right. who decides just give to us a, you know and just give everyone like, just give us a mode where we just you know five just versus five go in and blow each other up until the time runs out and like that's what they finally did and it's it's there and it's good and it's better what it is what it's a little actually a little more pure then like because there's a sometimes you just want to fly around and shoot stuff yeah and i think that is a a, a nice thing they finally gave us so uh the initial impression plus the uh longevity of the support they've given it i think that puts it over the top for me uh, also i re- really didn't play much else new in terms of multiplayer mostly i was playing online fighting games and that was about it and like the occasional jackbox stuff before mm-hmm. uh before the world ended but uh, that was about it <laughs> Okay, um, my winner for best multiplayer game is Fall Guys. Come on, people, you knew it. I'm a big platformer guy. It's online. It's Battle Royale. Um, probably, 
there's a couple games that have been like pleasant surprises, but definitely one of the biggest surprises of the year was Fall Guys. I think Among Us is maybe the bigger surprise because the game was like two years old and people suddenly like discovered it. Uh, but Fall Guys, um, it's a 3D platformer battle royale. And I, I have found that this game has... I would even say it replaced it because I still play it, but it's it's very much in the same vein for me as like Rocket League. It's one of those games the matches are really short, and I can jump on it real quick and play a couple matches and jump off. Uh, what I found myself doing is playing uh, Fall Guys whenever I'm downloading something else. Uh, it doesn't need a lot of bandwidth, so I don't really have lag problems uh, when I'm doing that with Fall Guys. Uh, it's, ta it's taking in so little information that it's really hard for lag to affect it. Um, lag does suck when you're trying to jump a gap. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, but I thought they, I think they did a really good job with the net code in that. And I would say they did the same thing with uh, Rocket League as well. Also um, like Rocket League and that you got it free from PSN. Yeah, it also is very similar in, in that vein. That seems to be a good way to really start a phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, I, we still talk about Resogun like seven yeah. years later. <laughs> it was giving away free at launch. Um, so I have had a lot of fun with Fall Guys. I think that they were caught off guard by its success. Definitely. They hadn't planned to roll out content as fast as they have been forced to. Yet, they have continued to roll out content constantly. So I don't know for sure if it was a part of the plan all along. I think it probably wasn't. But the studio has picked it up. And they are, like I said earlier, striking while the iron is hot and keeping people engaged in Fall Guys. So definitely, without a doubt, one of the biggest surprises of 2020. And for me, the best multiplayer game of the year as well. Uh, next up, best adventure game. And I think people always get these confused. Like if you look at like best adventure in some other game of the year awards, even the game awards, they're kind of loosey-goosey. You'll see like action games in their adventure category. Well, it depends um, this, what you want to call it, because like there's like adventure games which are like like mist. Like that's kind of like point and I think, click style. Point yeah. and click style are like kind of the story driven telltale thing, which I think you see is the what, cursor on the screen. But I think what you and I think of as adventure games, and but then there's another whole more console centric group of people that like when they because when Zelda first came out, it was called an adventure game. Yeah, like that's what they build it as was the an adventure game. Yeah, and so there are people who consider sort of. Basically, like an Assassin's Creed to be an yeah. adventure, like, like what, what we would probably call an action adventure or maybe yeah. an action RPG. Like they think of as an adventure game because of like set character going through world with story is sort of what an adventure game is to them. It's it's, yeah. it's one of those things that like it it, it, it varies by outlet almost sometimes. Yeah. yeah, for sure, and it does. I mean, it's varying for us. And our definition of the adventure game is. The traditional point-and-click adventure game, mm. or things like walking simulators, um, generally games that have no action and have a lot of puzzles. That's Not a lot of twitch to them, really. Yeah. Doesn't really require uh, reflexes. It's more of a thinking game. Yeah, and I will admit that one of the longest, the most time-consuming process of the Game of the Year awards every year here is looking through Sifted <laughs> to make sure that the things I'm picking for each genre are things that you agree are in that genre. Oh, right, in the genre, yeah. It gets um, complicated because one yeah. IGN will say this game is in this genre, and then we'll say it's in this one. And I, I, what I thought you were getting at was one of the hardest things every year is picking the best adventure game because it has become the hardest. That is also true. For, it's, for a for a category that would have had no entries ten years ago, yeah, like pre Walking Dead, 
Oh, there are uh, tons for Telltale. Of it would have been there was nothing like th- this was a dead genre for yep. fifteen years, pretty yep. much. And now and it's like flirt. all of a sudden it's everything. Yeah, I mean there were big games uh, this year. There was plenty yeah. of them, and from like big publishers too. But Matt, what's this your is, winner? This, by the way, is one of the things I meant when I said if indie indie people want to make the stuff that the AAA people aren't delivering, adventure games are absolutely one of those. Yeah. And, and, like you just said, the AAA companies have picked up on it and are doing it themselves now. Yeah. But this is another genre that I think indie games they feel brought back nice from the niche. dead. Yep, absolutely. Um, and speaking of the dead, uh, <laughs> my pick for the best uh, adventure game is uh, Spiritfarer. Yeah, a game you talked about, was it three episodes ago? Four? A couple of, yeah. yeah. I, I bring it Not up every once ago. in a while. Um, this is a game I probably, again, also, uh, although to tie in AAA, I would probably never have known about this game or played it without Game Pass. Right. Um, because yeah. Game Pass just threw it up on the, here's a new thing that came out on Game Pass. And I'm like, all right, I'll try that. I like how that looks. I, I, I know this company. Uh, and it's great. Like, it's... It's all, and it's even like a like almost a, a hard thing to slot into adventure game because there's some platforming in it and there's some RPG in it and yeah, it's really some, a mashup. There's a lot of different things. Some people call it, would call it a sim. Like there's, I have, I have people who I recommended it to and like, oh, this is a building sim. This is like a like a like a, <laughs> a building, and they're they're not wrong. Like you are doing yeah, it that. has that like, stuff in it. Yeah, and like you know, it's it's a very you know you can just look at it here. It's a very charming uh, and and appealing look to it, and it's uh, it's got a lot of heart. Like you you basically play the new Grim Reaper. You play the new Charon, actually, uh, the the fairy person of the dead. And instead of being a giant skeleton in a hood, like you just saw him uh, giving giving over the job to you, now you're a you're a, a perky girl with a beautiful cat. And you have you have a new boat. It's not a sad canoe. It's a big houseboat, and you build houses for all the dead souls that show up in the form of animals. And you have to help solve their problems. Uh, and um, and it's a very uh, it's a very emotion driven and very uh, heartfelt game that uh, has a lot of charm to it, and will probably make most people cry. I think it is a game that has a really a, a dedicated. I hug. didn't realize that there's a game. It has a dedicated hug button. Um, uh, for you to hug the other people before they before they go on to their afterlife and stuff like you bond with a lot of these characters and then but the the point of succeeding is to solve the problems they didn't solve in life so they can move on to the next stage of the afterlife so a lot of this game is saying goodbye to the there you see the, the hug button in action yep. a lot of this is saying goodbye to these characters you've grown attached to uh, um, and and then like because of that your home base your ship changes because they are no longer living on the ship it, it's a it's a game about transition and letting go in a lot of ways. And it's fascinating that they get to do that. And in the meantime, like here's this map. We could all use that right now. Yeah. And you can can plot the courses and you you sail on and you can fish off the back of the, man, the B-roll is just lining up here. You can fish (laughs) off the back of the ship. Like there's a ton of stuff to do. There's a, there's a great feeling of ownership over the ship and over like kind of where you're going in the world and what you're doing. And then you can do some platforming on the, and like you get a lot of crafting and like upgrading things. Like there's a constant, you know, if you want, if, if filling up bars and exploring stuff and constantly like, you know, upgrading your, your home base is something you love. And I've said many times, if you want to make me invested in a game, give me a castle to build so it could end style. Um, then uh, I, 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 it's uh it really sucked me in. And I wasn't, I honestly, I would probably go back and pay for this game. Even though I got it for free from Game Pass, Just I would to go give back. Them some cash yeah, I would support this game by paying for it. I I, I would. Awesome. Um, so if you don't have Game Pass, uh, I would say this is a good buy already. Um, if if it's a if this kind of thing appeals to you, 
Um, yeah, dollar for three months, done for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's so much other good stuff on there as well. Yeah, so this um, is this is it's really stuck in my head for such a small kind of little out of nowhere game that isn't really a mainstream talked about thing. Like I have gone back to this repeatedly, and I have just thought about it repeatedly. And when you know when I looked at the adventure category, I was like, well, it's this. But I'm going to go look through the other stuff that was released this year to make sure there's nothing else that I forgot about. I thought, like, I mean, no, this, this is this was a pretty easy pick for me, in all okay. honesty, which is um, not which is not common. Okay, my, I also made my pick in this genre for this for essentially the same reason, in that it was the one that kept coming back to me. Uh, this is also the genre that I spent a lot of time with over the last like weekend, going back and playing stuff that I hadn't mm-hmm. played. So I played uh, a, a good bit of Twin Mirror. Um, I played a good bit of Tell Me Why, mm-hmm. and I think that was it. Those are the and, two big ones. Those are the yeah. two 800-pound gorillas of the Adventure 2020 Because they're from genre. the big developers. One of yeah. them is from Bandai Namco. And the game that kept coming back to me over and over was Bug Snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Bug Snacks is my adventure game of the year for 2020. I just, I, I'll be honest with you, Twin Mirror... Felt almost exactly like the other game. Like they were just, mm-hmm. they're like these murder mysteries where you're trying to figure out who done it. And I feel like that's like what all of them have become. Like life is strange. There are these mysteries yeah. and they're, they're following the don't nod template. Yeah. And that's fine. And I like that stuff. But Bug Snacks is just totally whacked. Mm-hmm. It's so insane. Like the everything about it is just so bizarre. And it, Look, at my point in life, with all the media I've consumed, and in all honesty, a lot of the stuff I just like, for something for me to call something weird is weird. And this game is weird and weird in a good and unsettling way. Um, I also just like the mechanics. It doesn't play like anything else. It's particularly in the, in the genre, but it doesn't play like anything else, period. I, I wouldn't say I fell in love with this game, but I did not think I was going to continue playing it after I put it down for the first time. And then when I went back to give it one last chance, I stuck with it. So um, it was free on PlayStation Network for a lot of you last month. So hopefully some of you guys have played it or you're just holding it until you get your PS5 or whatever. Um, but the thing, actually, you couldn't claim it unless you had a PS5. There was some kind of a weird snafu there or something. Yeah, I think you could do it through the website, but you couldn't do it yeah. through like a PS4. Right. You couldn't claim the PS5 version with the PS4, but if yeah. you went through their website, you could get it. Right. Um, so anyway, Bug Snacks was a pleasant surprise for me this year. Um, I was kind of drawn to it just because it looked so weird. I was like, I got to at least give it a chance. And then it actually ended up being a really fun, really engaging, and really interesting game to play. So mm-hmm. for me, Bug Snacks is my adventure game for 2020. I was as an avowed Bug Snacks hater uh, in the run up to this game. Uh, I actually did like it a lot more than I expected to. Okay. Which, uh, and I also was not. I haven't finished it, but I was not ready for the interpersonal drama of this game. <laughs> like the like the characters and their their relationships to each other are really well done. Uh-huh. Like and like matter. Like yeah. I was, that's what I was shocked by. Was like this is I, a lot of people probably did what I did at first and just played through the first couple hours. Or like this is kind of cool, but it's kind of weird. No, like there's some there's some real <laughs> shit in this game. It changes, like narratively, yeah, it like it's yeah. like it's not fucking around. Like it's for something that I thought was just like a dumb kind of Pokemon gra- snap, like, whatever grab thing. Like yeah. like it there's there's heart in it, and there's um 
there's some real ideas, some surprises and, uh, too. I would add, and I so I I, I so as much as I I have not really gone back to it a whole lot because there's been a lot to play since you know since the PlayStation Five came out. Obviously, yeah. um, I'm I'm actually going to call Bug Snacks one of the most underrated games of the year. Like I, I, I think I think, I think people call. I yeah. think people have not I think people are sleeping on the Bug Snacks here. <laughs> like, give it give we it a can't shot. Have that cow. Give it a shot. And this is me talking. This is I've been I've been ripping on this game for yeah. like a year and a half. Like, yeah. and I, but playing it, but get my hands on it really changed my mind. It's better than you think for sure. Yeah. Uh, next up, what usually is like the biggest category as far as genres are concerned for our game of the year every year. Uh, it has become kind of the de facto genre of the big budget game. But for whatever reason, and Matt alluded to this earlier, there were no RPGs this year. Like, none. Um, I'm sure you saw the Game Awards. You saw the nominees at the Game Awards. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, those are the, yes, those are the best RPGs from 2020. Uh, so there were slim pickings this year. But Matt, what was your choice? Uh, my choice was, uh, God, one of the only choices, really. Um, yeah. And it was Hades. Yep. Um, and if you told me at the beginning of this year that my favorite RPG of the year would be a roguelike from the people who made Bastion, I would have been like, really? Like, or it would just that, be Hades, because Hades has been available since been around. Yeah, It's but, a two-year-old game that just now got its final release and has managed to catch fire on its final yeah. like 1.0 launch. Because what they've done with it, yeah, can, certainly not just the 1.0 update, but the yeah. updates leading up to it, like they really expanded and improved and added systems and added ideas and added characters and added you know reasons to play, really. Um, and that goes down to the end game too. Um, and it's, uh, I don't like roguelikes generally. I don't like kind of the repetitive do things over and over and over again, just like throw yourself at the wall until you get past the wall thing. Uh, which I know is weird for someone who likes dark souls to say, but like, yeah, usually I find in a roguelike situation because, because I, one of the things I like about dark souls is you can learn the terrain. Yep. You can kind of, and roguelikes have always frustrated me because they're randomized. So, I'm like, well, I'm never gonna learn. I just like get through this, you know, randomized it's stuff. A and sometimes, sword. sometimes it's just really stuff. Frust- sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's awesome. really frustrating. It's like you sometimes hit things it like, sucks. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you hit things, yeah. especially you know, in roguelikes, where it's like, oh, well, you're just not gonna survive this. Yeah. Sorry, that is not true in Hades. Hades, you always Hades is, does a really good job of letting you get powerful on every run with things that you then lose when you have to do the next run. And the other thing that I think they do really well is they incorporate the repetition and the dying and the trying it over and over again into the narrative. Like the characters were like make commentary on how you died last time. Like, I have no idea how they recorded this many lines about very specific situations that I found myself in. I'm like, how did you know that was going to yeah. happen? Like they, they know they're in this game for a long. Yeah. Time. And they know their game inside and out. And I bet a lot of those lines were recorded because of the data they were getting from oh, the sure. early access players and yep. how they were, they learned how it got played and how the play turned out. And, and the they were able to address that in a way into. that yeah. made it feel really organic and really interactive in a way that other roguelikes just don't. And on top of that you have um really great writing i mean super 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 giant has always had great writing even great in the games that, from GameSpot. yeah even the games that boss. i haven't enjoyed of theirs <laughs> the writing's still great the yeah. voice acting's still great this is the best voice acting they've ever done and that's saying something and it's also every line in this game is voiced unlike the previous games they've done you know there's they usually like, and the voice acting is really good oh yeah it's great every <laughs> every character yeah. in this game is a voice acting the performance that knocks it out of the park and like every one of them is memorable even if they only say a few lines every time you go back to the hub world yep. at Hades' palace and like 
um, and they get all the mythology right, and the, and and like you can tell like the twists, the twists and spins on the various mythological characters make mythological sense, but they're also modern interpretations of them. The art style is fantastic. The it animation really looks it amazing. It looks so good. Yeah, it's it pulls you in and like uh, it doesn't let you go. And I I hope we get PlayStation and Xbox versions of this soon because like PC, right now it's only PC and Switch. Yep. Um, if you have either of those, you should be playing this now. Uh, it also you can share saves on it. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's in place now or if that's coming, but you are going to be able to cross save between all platforms, um, which is but great. When you say share save, that doesn't mean you can give it to your friend and he can. Use no, your, it means you can share saves save between your platforms. On platforms, yeah, yeah, and so which is good because this is not a game you want to start over on. Um, Here's something else I would say, Matt. You might want to hold off on any more discussion on Hades because I have a feeling we might talk about it again a couple all right. times. It's possible. I think you made your case though. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, my pick for best RPG, and first of all, Mass Pick is amazing. And what I like about Hades is that it does kind of, it innovates that subgenre of the RPG. Um, but why I chose the, the game that I selected over Hades is because of what you're seeing on the screen right now, role-playing. And my winner for best RPG of 2020, and this might bring down the house, is Cyberpunk 2077. I feel like it is the best role-playing game of 2020. I have been completely sucked into that world. I feel like I'm living in 2077 in some crazy city. Um, it just, it sells everything about the setting from the characters to the costuming to all of it, to the RPG elements that we were talking about in uh, Game Phase 241, about how amazing they are, how you really feel even the slightest improvements and changes to your character. And that, to me, is why I love Hades, and I think it is absolutely a Game of the Year contender. But that's why I had problems giving it best RPG, because to me, the best parts of it aren't necessarily what I personally connect with the role-playing genre. Um, but I will say this, it is very clever how they have worked the RPG elements into Hades. Um, and there is some innovation going on there for sure um, that probably isn't happening in Cyberpunk. Uh, but to me, the actual RPG elements of Cyberpunk are, are vastly superior to what I was getting in Hades. Um, and I just love the characters and the plot. But you're right. I mean, they really flesh that stuff out for Hades too, you know, which is a surprise for an indie game on a small budget. Um, but just overall, the story... Especially a surprise for a roguelike. Yeah, like, for sure. Something that usually generated. is not a strength. Yeah, you're not, it's not curated. You're not pre-building mm -hmm. everything beforehand. But I think this is kind of a tale of kind of two different approaches to the genre. And I feel like the, the approach that Cyberpunk took was, to me, for what I like, more successful than the approach that Hades took. So a tough call for sure. And Hades was absolutely my runner-up. Um, but I ended up giving it to Cyberpunk 2077 again in a really bad year for RPGs. Yeah, it's been a really. I mean, if if you disqualified Hades, I don't know if there would be anything for me to pick but Cyberpunk. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there isn't. <laughs> Let's just be honest. It was yeah. one or the other, and it, it took me a while to figure it out. But that's how I settled on Cyberpunk. Uh, next up, the reason I goaded Matt to maybe wrap up his discussion about Hades for best RPG is because mm. we're now at the best indie game. And for both of us, the winner is Hades. And I don't think this was even close. Like indie game, again, is usually a category that's so hard because for mm. one, I'll be honest, Matt, 
at the end of the year, it's hard for me to even remember all the indie games I've played because yeah. a lot of yeah. them I don't finish. I'll play for a couple hours until I get the concept. And then once they start working the concept over and over, I'll bail. Um, and so at the end of the year, I actually have to like start going through like rundowns of game face and like looking at my notes, trying to figure out exactly which indies I played. But well, also because like they're all so different that you can't really like yeah. think of one category and compare. think of all the things you played of a certain type. And like, you know, it's, it's really not fair to be honest with you. But people care so little about indie games that we kind of just have to have this one category. But I hear you, man. It's really not fair to the people who make these games to just jam all their stuff into one category. But I do feel like this year, Hades was just heads and shoulders above yeah. like anything else. Like if we wanted to do a runner-up in this category, that would be a tough fight. Yeah, but and I don't, I'm glad we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> but, but Hades is just done. <laughs> there's just not there's not anything else on Hades level this yep. year in yep. terms of in terms of the indie world. Like it's it's this. Yeah, and it is crazy. I mean, it is a little weird, I must admit, to be considering a game that technically was released in 2018 for a bunch of awards mm -hmm. in 2020. I ultimately decided it was okay because it was its final release. And once I decided it was okay, I also decided that I was not going to let that impact it at all. Meaning that if I was ever comparing Hades to something else, I was never going to use that as an excuse for Hades not to win once I decided that that's how I was going to handle it. And like I also think it helps that uh, it's a very different game now yeah. than it was when it. it you know, is. A lot I mean, of early recognize it. Yeah, a lot of early access games just sort of when they when they hit final, it's just like a less buggy like version. Like there's no bugs of, now. Yeah. yeah, it's like we fix every we have to it fix all the crash. bugs. Yeah. And yeah, but this is a very different game than what they started with. They they really remolded this and added to it in using user feedback and and it became something very special as a result. So I think. I think the the game that that resulted in 2020 is is a separate thing. Fair, it's fair to call it a separate thing from what people were playing in early access for two years. Yep. Um, and I didn't play it in early. I did have it in early access, but I played it when it first went up. And then I'm like, well, this is a neat idea. It's really rough. I'm going to wait. And I never really, I never went back to it again until it hit 1.0. This year, and I came back, and I was like, "Whoa, why? Where did <laughs> yeah, all this all come people from?" People that actually stayed in early access did all the heavy lifting. Yeah, for they you. did a lot of work for me right there. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to work. But anyway, there you go. Indie game of the year, Hades. I would really be surprised if other publications come up with anything else. To me, it was clearly the best indie game that was released this year. If you're going to consider it for the awards in the first place. Uh, next up, best VR game. Um, it was a good year for VR, Matt. Maybe the best year yet. For VR. Yeah. Um, but I think it wasn't a quantity question. It was a quality question. To me, this was a year where developers really hit their stride with VR games. And you are seeing it not in just improving how the games play or helping with motion sickness, but also how they look. Like <laughs> VR games really, to me, took a huge step up in visual fidelity in 2020. Um, like it used to be, I would watch trailers for VR games and I'd be like, VR game, you could just tell. It was like low poly, low res textures. You weren't seeing a lot of stuff like bump mapping and things like that. Not anymore, man. Some of these VR games look just as good as the big budget AAA games. Um, now here is another category, unfortunately though, where I probably can't give it to the game that should win. I can only give it to the game that I played. And I literally played one VR game this entire <laughs> year. The other thing is that this is another category where Matt and I have the same winner, and that is Star, Star Wars, Wars Squadrons. Squadrons. Yep. It's the only VR game I played in 2020. That's probably a Half-Life Alex. 
as you say, you know, it, I yeah. didn't play that either. I mean, the best VR, let's be honest, the best VR game of 2020 is Half-Life Alex. There's no, I don't think there's any debating that. Like, I can't give it to it because I haven't played it, mm -hmm. just on principle. But I would venture to guess with about 99.5% certainty that if I were able to play Half-Life Alex, I would feel that it was superior to Star Wars Squadrons, in mm -hmm. just for the VR part of it anyway. I don't. I'm, I'm. I don't know that I would necessarily. Well, you don't like shooters. The, yeah. I don't like shooters as much. I'm not a Half Life fan, so to speak, and I am a Star Wars fan. And I already knew my reaction to the VR, the Rogue One VR X-wing mission from Battlefront One on PS4, right. PS4, and that was like, I want a whole game of this, and that is basically what they gave me here. I would even argue uh, because I think the campaign in this is a little by rote uh, in terms of narrative. I would argue that. This game should be played in VR if you can at all pull it off. Oh, it's superior. Um, I, it still makes it me a little better, crazy. <laughs> it is the better way to play the game is in VR. It is. It's, it's, it's amazing. It. As long as I lasted, I was like blown away. <laughs> but it didn't take long until I started feeling <laughs> a little off. I'll say this, though. I lasted longer than usual. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I did get sick, it didn't last as long. So right. and baby th this steps. Is, I only played two <laughs> VR games, this, two new VR games this year, uh, the other one being Iron Man. Uh, and that obviously was not going to be the best anything. Yeah. I guess it's the best Iron Man VR game I played this year. <laughs> I'll say this. All my friends are buying VR this Christmas. All of them. Mm, all my casual friends in Philadelphia, they just, on our text thread that we've had running for years and years, every one of them is buying a Quest. So, hmm. it's, it's exactly. Hmm. So, I have a feeling 2020 might finally be the turning point for VR, where it at least hits, at least touches a little bit of the mainstream. Gets a little before bit they, out. I mean, the, before the, this, it was just mobile stuff. It's like, oh, easy, I can buy it for 50 bucks or whatever. The easy slap it on your face wireless stuff is the key. It's the only thing that like was working. It, it, has to, it has to be quick to set. It has to be as fast yeah. to, to impulse, uh, impulsively start playing it as like PlayStation is. Like, yep. that's the thing. That's what it has to be. Um, so there you go. Uh, best VR game. And I'll be honest with you, the next two categories, Matt and I also agree. I'll say this. This has been the easiest awards I've maybe ever selected. One, mm -hmm. because I'm not in a room with other people that I have to discuss it with. But two, because it was just, to me, very clear cut. There were just some games that just really stood out above the others. It made it, to me, very easy. This is the least amount of time I've spent picking my Game of the Year awards maybe ever. Yeah, um, that's about right. It's also, I, this may, I don't have, I haven't compared anything, but this might be the year we've agreed on the most categories. Oh, without a doubt, Matt. It's not even close. I mean, without a doubt. We agree on a ton. And it also helped make sure that the show doesn't run over time, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next category is best action adventure. And uh, once again, Matt and I have the same winner, and it is The Last of Us Part 2. Um You'll be hearing about that game a couple more times here before yeah. the show's over. And probably uh, in a few other Game of the Year rundowns. And probably in a few other yeah. Game of the Year uh, features that you're going to read or watch. Um, it. I don't even know that we... We can talk about it now or we can talk about it later, Matt. Um, yeah. But this game, it's just... I think I'll say for this part, the best action adventure to talk true to the category, it was truly a blend of those two things. Mm -hmm. um, the adventuring part of it, the discovery, the conversations, and then the action part, just a totally brutal, uh, violent, grueling combat. It was the, it was the embodiment of the action adventure. 
Um, it's very rare that you get games that balance those two elements so well. You get a game like Doom Eternal that's like 90% gameplay and 10% plot. Or you get games where it's just, even I would even argue that Cyberpunk is weighted maybe a little too heavy in the exposition department. Um, but this game is right in the middle, which is what you're supposed to be when you're an action-adventure mm -hmm. game. So, and look, we're going to talk about it again. So I'm not going to go into all the other stuff that's awesome about The Last of Us Part Two because we're going to need to focus on that for the specific things it was uh, it was awarded with. Anything you want to add here, though, for action-adventure, Matt? No, I, I think uh, that about covers it. I you know the the best parts of the first game were kind of exploring stuff and um, and the narrative. Uh, I did not care for the action in the first Last of Us. Uh, I thought the action in the in Last of Us Two was one of the biggest turnarounds and improvements yeah, uh, from one game to the next I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it just in terms of not in just in terms of how it felt, but in terms of what you could do and how you could play with the systems and how you could like play things, play scenarios and situations the way you wanted to. Yep. Um, was just, it's, it's the best Naughty Dog has ever done in that regard. So uh, keeping it to sort of the, the category, um, I, I think it's a, it was a triumph in terms of them growing into, you know, really making the game be that. Um, okay, up next, best platformer. Again, Matt and I agree, but again, this was an easy winner. Yeah, this is not. And the winner is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. An amazing, yeah. emotional roller coaster, pull your hair out experience. This is a game that I still remember from playing. I was mm -hmm. remember how I was surprised I was at how difficult some of the platforming was. I remember wondering if kids were going to be able to get through this stuff, and they probably can. Um, but what I remember most about it is the story um, and the plot and the characters. Uh, it's just a very emotional game, uh, which you don't get a lot of from platformers, um, to be honest with you. This is also another category where there just really weren't a lot of really strong contenders. Like the runner-up for me was like Spelunky 2. Um, but that's not even like a, that's more of like a puzzle game, really, yeah. I feel like. like. I think the Astrobot thing was the only yeah. thing close. Well, it was like at one point I was like uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. I'm like, I can't give it that, even yeah. though it probably is technically the best platformer that was released in 2020. That yeah, game. I mean, it's got Super Mario 64 in it. It's but those, but those guys, those games have already got their, they're, they're old. They're, already they're, yeah. given game of the year to the Super Mario Galaxy. So um, I had to come up with something that was from this year, and it's, a great game. It's a great yeah. choice. And now everyone else has had a chance to play it. It's left Xbox and PC. It's on Switch now. Um, That's another example of a, of a game that had a really good first game and they managed to actually top it, make it better in the sequel, the sequel, which is yep. very difficult to do. It's always the key to that is always knowing what made the first game great. And it seems like some developers can't seem to figure that out. It's almost like it's a mystery to them why their game does well. The mm -hmm. studios that know why their games do well are the studios that make good sequels. That's pretty much how it works. Um, but anyway, best platformer, a genre that's in and out of our awards yearly. Yeah. It's been in, it's been out. It's been in, it's been out. I have a feeling next year it's going to be in as well because we have stuff like Super Meat Boy 2 coming. Uh, we have some Nintendo stuff coming as well. So um, I think we'll probably have a, a nice uh, three-year streak going for platformers, which is good to see because it's one of my favorite genres. Uh, next up best strategy game and this can run the gamut like like matt if you wanted to pick like a strategy rpg for this i'd be okay with it mm -hmm. um so there is some latitude you have like 4x strategy games and you have like the term based like xcom style stuff i also love how this genre has kind of expanded 
over mm -hmm. the last like really decade i would say yeah like the strategy game i played the most this year did not come out this year so it wasn't right. eligible like the thing i played the most this year was stellaris oh interesting um, but uh which is really really cool if i mean you if like you it. can i do like it. if you can get into it like i had to watch youtube tutorials on how to play it before <laughs> i could really understand what was happening but once you get into that it really does give you the feeling of managing a giant galactic empire um on a very mic as macro and micro a scale as you want which is what i'm interested in yep. so that was pretty cool but um didn't come out this year even though they are continuing to support it with really good expansion passes but i wanted to give it a a, a shout out especially because it's on xbox now and it's pretty good on that too um but the 2020 strategy game i i played the most uh was xcom chimera squad uh, which surprised me a little bit as well because I do like the XCOM games, but they frustrate me. I think they're supposed mm -hmm. to, you know, they're, they're, yeah, in, I think that's in the intentional way. <laughs> um, for some reason, the Chimera, Chimera Squad, for some reason, making the squad members real characters like really worked for me. Like this is kind of a smaller scale game than XCOM Two. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's not trying to be like the the big world. I mean, you do save the world more or less, but like. <laughs> It's moving. I what you're saying. It's moving the, the the world a little past the kind of like oh aliens are invading we got to do something. It's sort of like the aftermath of that and how like society has changed now that there's aliens on on the planet and sort of everybody. It's a little, a little Star Trekky. You know, it's a little like how do we integrate all these different cultures into this one world? Um, especially because so many of them were used by the uh, by, by the the aliens in XCOM like against their will. Right. Um, and they explore that and that's interesting. And then uh, making everybody an actual character and having the squad be sort of like a bunch of real people. That you care uh, about. That you care about and that, that have dialogue and yeah. you can tell who they are and you're kind of, you uh, know, like you want and they interact with each other. And there's that would make of, a big know, difference. I can it, totally see It changes see things a lot and, uh, and makes it even easier to sort of get wrapped up in things. And uh, it's a little easier, I think, than the, the main games in the sense that like you you have ways around permadeath if you don't you want to save your guys and stuff but uh overall i thought this was a really cool sort of side thing to do with this franchise and um like i mean obviously xcom 3 should, should happen too on the on the the large scale and see what else, else you can do with that but i would really like to see them explore the world in these sort of smaller scale character driven games more like this was a really cool side thing i didn't expect to be as great as it was and it was awesome uh my pick for the best strategy game of 2020 is a game that I just played this weekend. And it is Crusader Kings 3. I had never played a Crusader Kings mm. game. And I was starting to get together the fantasy stuff from Matt and I over the past week. And I saw Crusader Kings on his list. And I was like, oh, wow, he it got like a 9.1 aggregate. So mm -hmm. I was like, I probably should play this game. This yeah, I have not played this game enough to okay. make a call on it, really. I had but never I love played the, two. the franchise, Matt, until this weekend, and I fell in love immediately. Yeah, so, it's a treat. Man, I am a huge Civ fan. Always have been, always will be. I'm a total sucker for the one more turn. If you are that, I actually would say do not buy this game. It, <laughs> it took me away from other things that I wanted and in all honesty needed to do over the weekend because it is just that one more turn. You can walk away and just leave it sit. But the difference that I found anyway, and I don't know if most people feel this way, but to me, the big difference with Crusader Kings in Civ is that Crusader Kings is more of like, it's more of like an RPG. Uh, mm -hmm. There's more story in it. When you start the game, instead of it being like this empty map that you're trying to take over, it's 
filled with other leaders already that you need to interact with to conquer or to succeed. Um, and just there's way more narrative in the game, and they do a really good job writing the narrative. I was like shocked yeah. at how interesting a, it was. And it can go almost anywhere. Like, and it's, then the it's more I played it, impressive. you start getting exposed to like, oh, dude, it's insane. Like I had crazy stuff. Like some of the stuff that was in that game, I'm like, what? Like, like oh, you have the plague, and like, or your kingdom has the plague, and you could choose to lock your citizens out so they all die. Like, there's a lot of choice in the game. There's a lot of characterization that's really good. Um, the, the gameplay itself is like Civ, but a little more involved. The systems under the hood that are running are insane. It's a really, really good... It, it lives up to the hype, I guess is what I'm getting at. You mm -hmm. may have seen the Crusader Kings 3 reviews and been like, oh, whatever. You know, it's just the people who really like those games are going to give it up. Oh, it's a really, really good game. So I'm now a fan of Crusader Kings. Never thought I would be. Um, I finally gave it a chance. And that's what everybody needs to do every once in a while. Give stuff a chance. You never know. I have written off Crusader Kings for like 10 years. I had people tell me how great it is. And that if I like Civ, I'm a fool for not playing Crusader Kings. And I blew them off. And they were right. I it's did not put this game on my fantasy list for nothing. It is really good. And it lives up to the, the aggregate score that it got. So if you like games like this, go buy it. I do not think you'll be disappointed. Uh, next up, our favorite category, Matt. Best game as a service, because you know, yeah. but we're experts in <laughs> I would also say maybe this is the the award we're least qualified to give an award to. Um, I have to do a lot of research for this category every year because it's just impossible for either one of us to stick with one game as a service all year, let alone mm -hmm. like five of them. So a lot of times, like I play them all, like off and on throughout the course of the year, at least the ones that I would consider anyway. But a lot of times I have to go and look at a recap to remember like what were the drops and what came in those drops and how important were they and do they have problems with and all that kind of stuff. Um, and all that needs to be considered when you're talking about game as a service. This is like a new paradigm. Um, so anyway, with that in mind, Game as a Service, as you know, it's an ongoing game. That's what they call it in the Game Awards. It's the game that never ends. It's Rainbow Six Siege. It's Destiny. Games like that, they just go on forever and ever. Uh, Matt, what is your pick for the best Game as a Service for 2020? So my pick was the Game as a Service I played the most uh, over the course of the year, which was Warframe. I want to um, hear this, Matt, because I have not played Warframe since the launch of PS4, when I believe it was also free with PlayStation Plus. Yes. It, and I played it, for it, like, all, it wasn't free. It was just free. Like, Warframe oh, it was just free. free to play already. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, so anyway, I did play it, but I have not touched it since. So let you would not You would not recognize it. I've heard that. What, what um, have they done to it? Well, some of it, not all of it happened this year, but um, at some point they added like basically an open world areas. They've expanded, you know, usually it starts in the solar system and you start with a few planets. The, so this, the map on this game now expands out through like, I mean, I've been playing for a couple of years now, ever since um, I, I've been playing on Xbox more than anything else, but I started on PC where um, at one point they, they put a $120 uh, DLC pack up for $5 by accident. <laughs> and uh, everybody bought it, and then they decided they, they, they decided to let everybody keep it. So I'm like, oh, that's a good head start. I'll just play that. So I got I got into it that way. And then they right after that, I think they added the open world stuff, and that's really cool. Um, the story is uh, at least on par with something like Destiny uh, in terms of sort of like the, the the world and the lore and the backstory and sort of what happens and the events and there's things that happen. I'm guessing in the, open the world. way they tell it isn't quite as polished. 
No, it's just like it's more like just VO over yeah. things. There's no like cutscenes. There's not too many cutscene things. Um, but it is very like kind of addicting. It's fun. You know, it's a satisfying combat system, uh, both melee and shooting. Um, the 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 suits you get are weird looking, but like you get you get attached to them weirdly. Like the whatever one you because they all have different strengths. There's like ranged ones or they do have different powers. And like the one you end up kind of selling on to be your own. You know, you get a one basic kind of all around one for free, and you can build up your you either pay real money or build up your resources to craft uh, other ones. Um, I have found that it's pretty easy to not spend money in this game. Like pretty much all, the, most of the suits are viable. There are better and worse ones, but like if you're just playing PVE, you're probably going to be, your, your skill level with any kind of general shooter is probably going to be good enough that you're going to be able to get through what you need to get through. Um, as long as you're paying attention to the levels of the, of the missions and quests you're on. Um, and it's just a really good sort of way to like kind of log in once a day, play a couple of play a couple of shooting missions, and call it a day. You know, like you, you get something done, and it's just like a quick little shot. Um, and uh, they, I'm just not rested on their laurels. They continually do new events. They some of the events I'm watching this trailer, Matt. It, I didn't even recognize it. No, it's 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 a whole. It's they, insane. Everything they, is completely different. No, and I will say this: like the, you know, I haven't played a ton of the world events because sometimes I'm just not high enough level to participate. But sometimes uh -huh. I or I miss them or whatever. But like, and I'm still working my way through sort of like I think the first couple generations of new narrative content because it's there's a lot. Like there's a lot of game here if you care to. Play all They've been of it. building it for like ten um, years. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> and um, and like basically, I was there's a, in a lot of ways you play this game and you're like, why isn't Destiny like this? Uh -huh. Like it's it's not on the <laughs> level of presentationally, uh -huh. but in terms of just like stuff to do and like a wide open places to be and go. Like there's yeah. elements of this that are better. And certainly they figured it out. Some of it they figured out earlier than Destiny. Like Destiny feels like it stumbled a lot before it kind of got where well, it got. Well, Destiny is a bigger investment to change stuff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> An indie game, you're very nimble. It's very, it's a lot harder to turn and, uh, around the Titanic. Yeah, I mean, Digital Extremes is not answering anybody on this. That's true. You know, yep. And hopefully that will help Bungie now that they're that's not right. answering anybody, uh, yeah. now that they're free of Activision. Uh, which I imagine was part of the problem. I'm sure. Um, yeah. But you can see here, you've got like you've got like space sequences now, where you can like get in these like these like winged things that let you yeah, transform and fly around. The there's like, like this is Warframe. There's like <laughs> hover hoverboards. Like this weird melee game is what I remember of it. No, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's a crazy. it's a. I mean, it's, it's always been shooting, but like the swords are yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's, worthy pick. If you played if you played Warframe like five years ago, like try it again. Because it's not the game you played before. Yep. <laughs> okay. And I, um, I, I go back to it like pretty regularly. Like it, when nothing else was coming out during the summer and stuff, I was playing this a lot. Okay. So. Uh, for me, best game as a service came down to two games. Uh, the first game was Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I, despite not liking the actual combat of the game, I still ended up playing a lot of it because it's like my Call of Duty is like my fidget spinner. I'm waiting for my wife to do something. Although this year there wasn't as much as that of that as there, <laughs> there has been in the past. But if I'm waiting for my wife to get ready to do something, like I'll just play a round of Call of Duty. So I still ended up playing a lot of Modern Warfare. And I gotta say, I was pretty blown away by the content train that came to that game. Um, it was just steady, varied, and consistent. And then, you know, they got Warzone up and running and turned it into a smash hit um, in Modern Warfare. That's really where it really took off. Um, it was, as a game as a service, Modern Warfare was really, really good. Um, but I did not give it the award for best game as a service because 
the game that I ended up choosing for it um, was something that will continue on. And I, and I struggle, and I know this is best game as a service for 2020, but for me, the two games were basically on equal footing. And when I looked at one that was like, hey, we just have to get all this stuff done and then we're finished and we don't touch the game again. I look at this other one that has a plan to sustain the game into infinity. I gave the nod to the game with the bigger plan. And also because they're executing very well on that plan. And that game is Apex Legends. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but it it launched great. Everybody fell in love with it immediately. And then there was this huge content drought that in all honesty, almost killed the game. And I think that Respawn just had not anticipated that it would be that big and just didn't have DLC ready. It probably thought it didn't need it. But once the game was a hit and Respawn yeah, you, got its ass in gear. You must always feed the beast. They oh learned that lesson God. hard. Seriously, go back and look at the timeline of Apex Legends for this year. What it has mm -hmm. released in sequence and how big it is. And the other thing, too, that I liked about what Apex Legends did is that its special modes were actually special. They weren't some corny thing where everyone has like a pumpkin head or a big head or they have big feet or their guns are like twice. No, they found modes that were that were based around gameplay and modes and concepts instead of just goofy gimmicks. So um, Apex Legends really hit its stride in 2020. I don't know if it's going to continue uh, into 2021 as far as as good as it's been this year, but it had an amazing year. And for me... It is the best game as a service for 2020. Uh, I can't believe Avengers didn't win anything. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> uh, although I, I have a feeling some people may think we may give it to something else here very soon. Um, <laughs> I know that makes no sense to those of you watching the live stream. I'm sorry. Uh, next up is a big one. It's best platform of the year. Um, this isn't like... What console had the best graphics in 2020? That's not how this works. Best platform is a combination of everything. It is the hardware, the software, the services, everything. It's what platform was the best platform to own in 2020, according to Matt and I, anyway. Um, and this is another case where we have the same winner, and it is PlayStation 4. Mm -hmm. um, does that... Three years straight. Did we give it the Switch one year? I think I did one year. I didn't. Yeah, I don't I, think you ever I would, did. I don't think I would have done that. Yeah, I think it's been PS4 straight for you almost this whole gen. Ever since yeah. we've done these, I think. Like um, even I, when even when Nintendo knocks it out of the park for a year, usually Sony's exclusives continue to carry it. For yeah, me. like it's. Last it, year was rough for Sony exclusives, though. Yeah, last year was was a dead zone. Not this year, though. No. <laughs> Holy cow. We got two of the best games of the generation, literally, like, weeks apart. We got yep. The Last of Us Part Two, and we got Ghost of Tsushima. Mm -hmm. Bang, bang. And then later, we got Spider-Man Miles Morales and Spider-Man Remastered and Demon's Demon Souls. Souls remake, and it's... And, yeah, it well, just doesn't stop. that's obviously not PS4, but... Right, but PS, you know, PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. but Sony. PS4 is the winner, and it deserves yeah. the winner. Uh, the Switch has had a, other than Animal Crossing, a pretty forgettable year. There's been a, some blips here and there for Nintendo, uh, but Animal Crossing has really been the one big hit. Yeah. Um, and that's just the nature of the beast. Nintendo's kind of run out of uh, IP at this point for Switch. Yeah, they're hiring boss designers for Metroid Prime 4 now. I don't. I, I feel like that's going to be a Switch 2 game at this rate. Yeah, it is. I think it is. Um, we're still waiting on Metroid. We're still waiting on Bayonetta. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still waiting on Shin Megami Tensei. Yep, still waiting on. A lot of, Breath, we're still Breath waiting on all too. Still waiting on a lot of stuff that we saw in the Switch initial game reveal. I know, I know. Uh, Breath of the Wild two, I do think will be coming next year though. I'm yeah, pretty I, would, confident I would agree that, with that. And that that will change everything for Switch for next year. It could be like the game of the forever in a lot of people's minds, as the last one was. Um, so anyway, there you go. Best platform, PlayStation Four. It's really hard to even argue against it this time. I can't, <laughs> like I always, I, I mean, I, it's my job. Just, to like, play. You, oh yeah, you just said best platform, PlayStation Four, as the B-roll showed. In, just installed Killzone Shadowfall. <laughs> so I was like, oh, <laughs> it's funny. come a long way, baby. It has. It's, 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 it, I <laughs> it has um, for sure. Uh, but it's like you know, as the host of this stuff, like I have to be devil's advocate. Like we have to, I have to try to mm-hmm. find what's the counter argument to this, and I think. That's one thing I tend to do pretty well, but nothing here, man. I cannot no. find a counter argument. I can't be devil's advocate for this. PS4 wins it, hands down. Yeah, this year it's not a competition, really. And next year, it could be, it'll be interesting next year, for sure. We'll start seeing yeah. some of that first party Microsoft stuff. It should be a good year for Switch. And we're going to get Ratchet yeah. and Clank and all this stuff for PS5. Yeah, right now, PS5 looks like they have the strongest opening volley. Provided but we'll see. everything makes it. Makes it, yeah. That's the big X factor. That's always if we see. And again, we, we don't really know anything about the second half of next year. Yeah, we don't. So that's true. Although I think a lot of the stuff to schedule for the first half will end up being Some of it, to yeah. the second half. Uh, okay, so best platform, PS4 unanimous, Matt and I. Next up, best story, another category. Matt and I chose the same mm-hmm. game. Did, I mean, this isn't even close, Matt, as far as us choosing the same. No, it's this is. This, yeah. I think it's even close this this pick, which I also agree with. Yeah. Uh, this is another one that second place would be a blood sport fight. Yeah, but first, first place, this was not a question. Clear as day, The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, uh, it may be the best story ever told in a video game. It's certainly in terms I hate of throwing hyperbole. Like I don't either. I don't there. like doing that either. But I think it's true I, in terms of structure and presentation and narrative design. Like I don't think there's anything. I, it's also one of the only, I've, I've hammered this a lot of times over the year, but this is one of the only uses of the flashback device I've seen in a video game that is thematically and structurally necessary. Yeah. Like, you have to tell this story in the order they tell it for the thematic and narrative impact that, it's, that it has in the end. There's no other way around it. If you told it in chronological order... Uh, or, or a kind of an interleaved cross-cutting thing back and forth between the characters, you would lose the impact of what it's trying to do. Yeah, and, and, I like and that is very, them. very hard to do. It's, yeah, it's, it's I just like that they didn't, they didn't nerf the story. Like, mm-hmm. look, they Naughty Dog knew some of the stuff that was going to happen in this game was going to piss people off. So, yep. so you could think to yourself, well, how can we soften the blow to make sure that our fans don't hate us? What can we do to like? Sand down the edges a little bit to make it so it isn't so tough to handle. Instead, they're like, no, F that. We're going to make sure they feel this. Mm-hmm. And what, what also but more- you needed it because you have to rationalize right. what happens after that. And without, and it's hard, it's so hard to talk about this without spoiling anything. Without this scene that a lot of people are very angry over. You can't have the rest of the game. That was amazing. When it's also, the way it's, stories work. When also, they have to be true to the world they've made. Right. And everything that happens in this game is. Yes, absolutely. That's one They're, thing I will yeah. say, too. Their franchise Bible, they hold to it, man. Like, they mm-hmm. are like, this is the way this franchise is, and this is the way we're going to do it, and we're going to stick to our There goals. was never going to be a happy ending in this world. No. How anyone. could there be? The idea that anyone thought that was some kind of weird betrayal is nonsense. What do they think nonsense. you're going to find, like, a boat and, like, go to Hawaii and there aren't any zombies? Like, I don't know what they think was going to happen. 
happen. We Everybody saw how that died. ended. We saw how that ended in the Dawn of the Dead remake. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> the point. boat doesn't save you. Yeah. So anyway, it was just an amazing story. I loved it from beginning to end. I know some people think it was whoa. I don't care about any of that stupid crap. It was an amazing story. Period. And it's just like, I mean, look, there are people, and I agree with them, who say like, it's like this was the greatest story I was told. Like it's what the best game I played, like whatever. I didn't have fun. It wasn't fun. Yeah, because playing it's it. like, yeah, because it's, a, it's yeah. a grueling thing to go through. It's it's not. Yeah, you know, and it's I don't think games game have to be fun. Play, feel like you movies, take a shower. <laughs> same thing when I you know when I go to see a Gaspar Noe movie, I do not. Uh, yeah. I, I do not expect to have a good time. You try I, to go during the day, so when you walk out, you see the sun instead. Of sometimes the that doesn't work. I I, I know, saw I saw climax with Jason Chung at ten in the morning on a Sunday, and we came out of that at noon, and we're just like. <laughs> What do we do now? Like it's, it's, all, it's all sunny we're, and beautiful. We're right? ruined. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> or at least two days. Do you want to get lunch? No. No, I really <laughs> don't. I may not eat for a weekend. <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, best story. I think most people agree with that or at least understand where we're coming from on that one. Uh, next up, this is a category that I really love. This is the, one of the funnest ones I think that we do every year. It's called Future Legend. This is where Matt and I try to figure out which game or games from 2020 are going to be looked at like 25, 30 years from now by people like us when I'm probably long gone. And they're like, oh, that game, that's the game that did this. And people are still talking about it forever from now. Um, and this is always a hard one to pick, but I also feel like a lot of times Matt and I pull some really good stuff out of our butts in this category. So Matt, for you, what is your pick for future legend? My pick, and I think this is pretty bulletproof, um, is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because I think for a very large chunk of people who just play video games, period, when they think of 2020, they are going to think of this game. Yeah. Because everybody bought this thing and played it through the pandemic every day of that, especially the first like half of the of the lockdown phase. Like March to at least July, you were probably playing this game. And uh, I think it's going to be indelibly imprinted in people's memories. Yeah, the cultural a, part of a, it is. Yeah, as a part of long. this experience, this, this, this like species wide psychic wound we are going to have at the end of all this. Animal Crossing is going to be part of that. And I guarantee you in 10, 15, 20 years when people are making like the documentaries about the plague year and stuff, Animal Crossing New Horizons right. is going to be brought It will up. be in there. And they'll be like, and then this Nintendo game came out that made everybody happy for two days. Yeah. And then everybody it's, went back. It's going to be the little, it's going to be the little segment of the <laughs> documentary that makes everybody happy again before they get into like how horrible it became after the that. Rest it's of like, it was, yeah. It's like, because you got to have, you got to the tone know. shift. You got to, yeah. you got to keep people up and bring them down. You got to bring them up, bring them down. Yeah. So that, that'll, that'll be part of that. I totally um, get it. But That's I think. Yeah, I think this is this is the 2020 game for a lot of people. And uh, as much as it was not something I stuck with too long, um, this is definitely going to be one of the one of the three or four games people look back on 2020 and think, "Oh yeah, Animal Crossing." I definitely. Yeah. Yep, agreed. I'll be one of them. Uh, but I did pick something different. I picked Cyberpunk 2077, um, and I think for some of the same reasons, Matt, because it has become this huge story. Like, I think mm. this game will be remembered more now because they released it as a piece of junk. I think in terms of industry impact, absolutely. Like, and it, I, it, and all, it, I think this game, I think it's going to change things. Yes, yes, that was exactly what I was going to say. It is going to impact. No one is ever going to do this again. 
because a lot of them aren't going to be able to afford to refund everybody's money like CD mm -hmm. Projekt Red Well, did. it also kind of torpedoes the crunch thing, doesn't it? Yep, it sure does. It's like, dude, they, they're like, we had to crunch. It didn't help. It didn't help at all. It's crazy. So again, there's cultural angles to this. I also think that eventually this game is going to be one of the best RPGs ever made. I just am being honest with you, having played pretty much all of it and basically trying to mentally subtract all the negative moments I've had with crashes and bugs, I think this game is ultimately going to be one of the best. And it's going to take a while to get there. Uh, Witcher 3, it took it a good probably year and a half, two years to kind of get to that game of the year, true game of the year quality. Um, mm -hmm. And I would not be surprised if it takes this game that long as well. But I think, you know, 10 years from now, when they're doing top 10... I, I hope one day ever. we just see, see stuff as dynamic as we're seeing in this B-roll. Like, right. Stuff like that doesn't happen just around town yet. Yep. So far. Yep. Well, keep playing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, and I know a lot of you guys may be like, oh, Shane may be crazy. Keep playing if you can fight through the bugs. And you're going to see that this is an amazing game that is just broken. Sadly, it's broken. Um, but in a couple years' time, it, I think it will be looked at as one of the greatest RPGs ever until it's replaced by CD Projekt mm -hmm. Red's next. I mean, it can happen. Like, look out, you know, Skyrim is looked on as, you know, I think almost universally positively. People forget that it literally didn't work on PS3 when it came out. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Matt. To me, still like, doesn't really. If, if Cyberpunk didn't have all the bugs, I would like it more than The Witcher. Like, I'm more of a Cyberpunk guy than like fantasy guy. Um, and so part of that plays into it too for me, obviously, um, mm -hmm. because I like kind of the futuristic, slick stuff more than just like the traditional like high fantasy stuff. Um, it's funny that I don't like high fantasy stuff in anything but video games. Yeah. Like that's the only, I, and I prefer it to science fiction usually in video games, but I like yeah. science fiction better in almost every other medium. I don't know why that is. Maybe I just like swords. Like, I don't know. Yep. I am using a katana in this game. And I do believe that CD Projekt Red will get it fixed eventually. It's going to yeah, happen. I mean, they've done that with every game they've, I mean, look, we, we said it, people in the chat said it, everyone said it. It's like CD Projekt Red stuff launches busted. Yeah, like they always, it always does. They always. I think we just all hoped that it would have learned its lesson this time. Yeah, I, I nope. think if there's if there's one <laughs> lesson I've learned over the last few years from CD Projekt Red is that they haven't learned anything. Yeah. So. Yep. So anyway, um, that's my future legend, Cyberpunk 2077. Next up, another fun category: most pleasant surprise. We've talked about a couple of those, uh, mm -hmm. and I'll be honest with you. When I mentioned them earlier, I tried to stay away from my pick. Um, I had a couple of these and honestly up until i printed out the rundown for the show i had two games here and i finally made the the pick at the last minute so matt for you what was and also by the way this can be anything this doesn't have to be a game it could be something that happened or whatever um and matt what was your pick for a most pleasant surprise um well certainly nothing that happened was a pleasant surprise <laughs> yeah, not many of those in 2020 um, <laughs> uh, oh. my, my most pleasant surprise was immortals phoenix rising um, which, uh, you know, we obviously we'd seen it, we'd heard of it, but it kind of, it kind of, it gone dark for yeah. a long time. And, and then it suddenly, came back with a new title. Yeah, and... something popped up with a terrible new title yeah. and uh, <laughs> a, a new kind of look to it a little bit. Um, and then something was coming out in December. Like, what the yeah. heck? Like, okay, wow. I don't know. Like, you know, it's like three months before release. We suddenly see this, this thing comes back again. So cool. Uh, and I, you know, we'd been through a lot of open world games this year. We'd played a lot of stuff that are over and over and over, but this thing, popped up and was what right in the waiting for cyberpunk section of December. Um, but I really kind of fell in love with this thing in a weird way. It's, it's exactly the level the balance of like kind of levity and mindless open world stuff I needed at the time. 
Um, I actually do think it's pretty funny. I know you don't. Um, I, I think some of it's some of the banter is is falls dead, but some of it actually has made me laugh. Um, and it's it it's snappy and and I, la- I like how it looks. It's, it's not it's like all thing. their other games. It's finally Ubisoft doing something different with its open world. Yeah, finally. and I would. And I, it's like you can see they're using the research they did for the for Odyssey's mythology to like, but like they're still yep. letting it run wild. Like all the references actually make sense. If you know Greek mythology, all the, much like Hades, all the references track with like actual yeah. mythology. Yep. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun in that regard. And it's it's a simpler, but it's also a kind of a wackier like over the top combat system that I've enjoyed sort of learning and and slowly like upgrading to the point that I can tackle the bigger enemies and like oh now that's how it works and you can do the slow mo stuff and it's cool. Um, in, it's kind of like an easier, more accessible Assassin's Creed, like you said, yeah. sort of my first Assassin's Creed. It's a gateway probably for kids. It's also kind of sectioned off and discreet. It's not yeah. like, it's not this sprawling thing that you can get overwhelmed with. You can take it in chunks if you want to. Yeah. And, and it I t- like it, that about it. And it takes the, the you know, there's a, there's a lot of talk of the Breath of the Wild uh, inspiration, but I think you need a little more than just a stamina bar when you climb yeah, yeah. something in a hang glider to be a Breath of the Wild uh, clone. You can to understand the, why the comparisons are. Sort of, but the thing, to me, the thing they took from Breath of the Wild that is the most significant and most beneficial to it, and probably also to Breath of the Wild, is the line of sight idea. The fact that you can be up high and see everything yeah. all the time yep. and see where you, you want to go. forever. And yeah, and just go <laughs> you there. You literally, yeah. you stand, you can see like, I'm not even exaggerating. It must be like a hundred miles you can see. Yeah, you can see the other side of the world from yeah, certain Yeah, you places. can see the other end of the world. No fogging, no anything. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really yeah. great. Yeah. And um, so I really enjoy, I haven't gone back to it since Cyberpunk because I've been focusing on that, but I will. Yep probably soon, uh, certainly now that we're kind of done with the show for the year and I can play yeah. what I want for a while, yep. uh, I will go back to some of that. And, um, and it's a game I'm going to get for a couple people for Christmas because I feel like it's it kind of flew under the radar. Like, people yep. didn't it's notice good for it. kids of all ages. Yeah. Even... Kids are age. Even adult age. Even adult <laughs> kids. Yeah. Exactly. Um, my pick for most pleasant surprise is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2 Remake. Uh, I thought the Tony Hawk, I'll be honest with you, I thought the Tony Hawk franchise was dead. Done. I mean, even Tony. I think Tony Hawk was, thought that. Yeah. He said it was done. He, the best thing he would give over the last few years was like, yeah, a couple people pitched me on like a mobile game. And I was like, well, I don't want that. So I guess your franchise is just dead. No, it wasn't. Not only did they bring it back, they brought back what they should bring back, which were the first couple games. Now I will say this. I liked playing for the first like five or six hours. Um, after a while, I was like, okay, I've done all this. And the better visuals and the higher frame rates were enough to keep me playing. Um, but to me, I feel like if, if Tony Hawk was going to come back, that's the only way it could have come back. Now I feel like the door is open for Activision and Tony to work on a new game. Although hopefully they don't just continue to bloat it like the franchise eventually became. And I think the reason people like this is because the first Tony Hawk games were simple. You just had to score high and grab V8 VCR tapes. Like it started to become way too complicated. And uh, I think this kind of reset for the franchise, in addition to being fun to play and totally worth whatever money you ended up spending on it, um, I think this is what it needed to guarantee that there was any kind of a future uh, for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. So so I was shocked that it was announced and then we had it in like a month and I was even more surprised by how good it was. So to me, it was the double pleasant surprise for 2020. Uh, Next up, yet another category where Matt and I have the same winner, although... I think as soon as we tell you what the category is, actually, just just put the graphic up. (laughs) 
And now everybody just guessed what this one is that Matt and I have both. They've already guessed and they're wrong. Oh, Oh, and they're wrong? Yeah. No way. The thing I've seen predicted is so far as Avengers. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there you go then. The most disappointing game for 2020, Matt and I agree, is Cyberpunk 2077. Mm -hmm. I feel like we, but I did say this before the show. You were like, people will just know right away. And I was like, well, I don't know. Avengers was pretty disappointing too. Yeah. But. Yeah. I think Avengers was more pleasant surprise than disappointing in the I think, end. No, yeah, I think what happened, though, at least through the course of this stream, is that we've said a lot of good things about, at least I have, about Cyberpunk. So mm-hmm. they probably figured Shane can't give it most disappointing, and if they both have the same guess, it's got to be Avengers. So I totally understand where mm-hmm. you could have got to that place. But no, it is Cyberpunk 2077. I can still think it's a really good game and ultimately will be a great game and say that it's hugely disappointing. I would also say, Matt, that this game was set up for this category. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it was, you, the you ball could argue was on that even, the tee. Like, even yeah. if it was really good, people would want to give it to this game, I bet. Like, it was, yeah. the, the hype for this game, there was 8 million pre-orders. The hype for this game was completely out of control. And look, we had part of that, partly our fault. We hyped it up. Everybody hyped it up. Um, but ultimately... Um, I think even if the game were great, you still have a lot of people saying it's the most disappointing thing I played this year was Cyberpunk. So um, it's I still really enjoy it. And I think it's going to be something truly special whenever they finally finish it, <laughs> which is funny to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, more, more like Cyberpunk seventy seven percent complete. Yeah, but, but still, uh, it, it's compared to like what I expected from the game and where it was at launch. It's the most disappointing easily. Oh yeah, I actually it's, liked Avengers. So I don't yeah, know. <laughs> and I'm—I mean, I'm harsher. I think I'm harsher on Cyberpunk than you are. Uh, I find it more more disappointing. Yeah. Um, also fascinating to watch this demo because it's 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 all in the game, but it's also not in the game. It's well, in they're the just doing it lot. all together in chains and combos, and they're like. When I use stuff in the game, I use like uh, the one thing. Like oh, I, I'm talking about the I'm talking about the the cutscenes. Oh, I'm not watching here. the B-roll because uh, the B-roll is showing like the old cutscenes and like when when it was third person basically oh, when they gotcha. when they showed the character. Oh, gotcha. Um, which is which is very different. Um, and yeah, you can see the how the game person. evolved over time. Yeah. We have our our TriCaster is loaded with cyberpunk. Oh yeah. There is enough media in there to last a whole episode of Game Face for yeah. sure. But in terms of like the disappointments like for me it's more that like you can you can constantly see what it should be and it just isn't. And you're just disappointed in CD Project Red for yeah. doing this crap. This yeah, and that crap. doesn't even get into the whole like thing of um of uh, how they released it, the the hiding of right. things, the, right. you know, the, the, that's, you know, that's all disappointing too. Yeah. It's an easy winner. Um next up. Biggest news story. And there were some new stories this year, let me tell you. Mm. Usually for this, like, I have to pick between, like, three or four. There were, like, 12 this year that you had to choose from. Um, and I think both of us probably picked the two best ones. Matt, what was yours? Uh, mine is, like, to me, this is there's there wasn't really competition here. There was, there was a bunch, again, a very tough second-place competition, but the number one thing for me has to be COVID-19's impact on the game industry. Or on um, everything. Both on everything, but I mean, we're obviously focusing on games here. Um, and both in terms of good and bad, uh, because, you know, obviously it's good monetarily because games are selling and hardware is selling like crazy because people have nothing else to do but stay in their homes and, and play video games. Uh, also in terms of 
the human cost and the loss of loss of life is bad uh, and, and impacting everybody and impacting uh, developers and, and companies are having to deal with that. And there's going to be a lot of medical payouts and, and stuff like that and people losing their benefits. There's a, there's a the human cost is astronomical. You've got the, the, the moving to working from home, which has created a lot of delays. Mm-hmm. Uh, some stuff has slipped out of the year. I wonder how much of that impacted cyber. I wonder how much down. of that cyberpunk 2077. Yep. Um, and, but at the same time, the move to work from home as that thing, as, as the dust sort of settles on that, you know, uh, Square Enix has said that, that employees can work from home forever now if they want yeah. to. Yep. Um, so it could be lead to a Good big change. quality of life upgrade yep. for a lot of these developers if they don't have to do the commute, don't have to be stuck in the office, they can work from home and, and choose what time of the day that they are doing their work versus what they need to take care of with their family and their home life. Um, so in the end, you could have a lot of benefits out of it. Like there, you know, nothing Regardless, is going to. It's you're, the whole category's biggest right. news story. That's why yeah. it's the biggest news. Story. Nothing is going to be the it same. It's so many different corners. Yeah, nothing is going to be the same after this uh, in any in any respect. Yeah. But in terms of the industry, you are going to you know you've seen a lot of changes both in the immediate in terms of release schedules and I think in the long term. Uh, the fact that you can do so much of this from home and still get stuff out and still get stuff finished and still get stuff on time. Uh, you're kind of running out of excuse. I mean, it's not just the game industry, it's kind of business in general, but it's like you're running out of ex- reasons to have offices on a regular basis. You don't need all all 400 people in on the team yeah. in the same office all the time. Everybody can kind of live wherever they want and do what they want. You know, that's... Yeah. As long as people have internet, you've got you've got it. Absolutely. So, uh, so I think in terms of that, both in terms of how what's happened this year itself, and in terms of what's going to happen over the next ten years as a result, uh, the pandemic is the is is the story. Okay, we've got to pick up the pace. We're taking too long with each one of these. <laughs> We're already over time. It's a good w- thing we agree on so many of them. That's, it is. It's helping because otherwise we may be here till like 8 p.m. Um, next up. Well, actually, I haven't given you my winner for that category yet for biggest news story. Um, I went kind of in the same vein as Matt in that I tried to find a story that would have a domino effect for many years to come. Obviously, COVID going to change everything from here on out forever. Something else that I think will change everything from here on out forever was Microsoft buying Bethesda. Um, to me, it changes everything. It changes the other platforms because likely they won't be getting Bethesda games anymore. And it completely changes the fortunes of Xbox. Now, I don't know how much it's going to change their fortunes for Xbox Series X, but whatever the next console is, they're set. So um, I, I was a vocal, vocal critic of Microsoft's moves and everything it had done really for the last eight years. Finally, it figured it out and did what really it should have done like four years ago. And if it had done it four years ago, it would be in a much better position right now to launch the Xbox Series platform. So um, I don't know. To me, the, the sale of Bethesda to Xbox is something that will, like again, like COVID, will reverberate across all corners of the industry. Um, even third-party or independent studios right now, they look at that sale and they're like, hmm, maybe we should start shopping ourselves around. It was a big purchase that's going to change a lot of things for a lot of people, um, and it was a big surprise as well. Um, and so that's why it's my biggest news story of 2020. Next up, another fun, fun category, the worst game we played. Um, we had to We had to eventually change the title of this category because everybody was just like, oh, it's the worst game. No, it's not the worst game. We can't, we can't decide what the absolute worst game is that came out in 2020 because we have to play them all. So these are just the worst games that Matt and I played, which 
by extension, would probably be most likely the worst games that y'all played too. So, Matt, what's the worst game you played in 2020? Um, well, as you say, I'm sure there were worse games released, but the worst time I had with a game this year was Final Fantasy VII Remake, which no one will be surprised by <laughs> if you've been watching this show. <laughs> um, I just find, I mean, this almost made my bit most disappointing um, as well, because mm -hmm. I was really hoping they could pull out something special with this game, and as far as I'm concerned, they did not. This is... Um, you're even watching one of the things that, that right there. It's like, it's like okay, I, I don't understand the obsession with this game, with the Final Fantasy team, especially Nomura, of having everything kind of look so realistic and so like this approaching sort of that anime photo real sort of hybrid thing. And then suddenly someone just spinning a, a motorcycle around like it weighs five pounds and yeah. none of it makes any, and like the physics don't matter anymore. And it's just like, it's like, like it's just silly to me. Um, I agree. I thought the game was silly. It is very silly, and I can't take any of it <laughs> That's seriously. That's actually the best word to describe yeah. that game, man. I don't know how you pulled that out, but that is the best word to describe the final fit. And I would use goofy too. Yeah, but that would maybe make true. more sense for Kingdom Hearts. But I don't think that you know the localization wasn't good. Like we said, the yeah. anime grunting is just distracting and irritating yeah, the whole time. It, nothing really happens. There's a whole middle section of the game where like they add a bunch of stuff that wasn't in the original. And you can do that, that's fine, but it doesn't advance anything, doesn't improve anything. So you're just wasting time because you don't know how to get how to do the part where you leave after you leave Midgar until the, you're leaving that to the next remake game. So you're kind of stalling for time for about half the game's runtime. There's too much weird, like ancient, ancient game like I, level that, design. I can play any Nintendo game. No problem. Don't even think twice about it. When I played this game, I felt like I was too old for the game. Yeah, it's it's you, honestly embarrassing. It's, it's like embarrassing Mario to play. I'm okay with, but yeah, it's like I don't even know how to explain it. I was like, this is a kid's game. Like while I was playing mm -hmm. it, but I'll play Mario or all Nintendo's like kid friendly stuff. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't and, get I, it. and I get it. Like it's like it's one of those things. Like I've said it before. The golden age of science fiction is twelve because it's whatever you experienced when you were twelve years old. Yeah. And yeah. And like I was not twelve years old when Final Fantasy VII came out. Like it, I was too old for this when it when it came out, and I'm apparently still too old for the remake. Um, so the nostalgia goggles are completely off for me on this game. And to me, it's just an ancient, archaic, creaky money grab. Well, I like it more than you did, but not by a ton. That's part <laughs> of my thing is like is like the ancient dungeon design, the shitty like you know shimmying through tiny things to cover load time that shouldn't even be there. Um, it's just I I feel like Square and Nomura uh, like basically conned the fan base. I I feel like I they deserve. Far, I feel like they deserve better than. I part think they one. worked hard on it. And I just think that the base game is it is what it is. Like the base game doesn't have to be these this terrible dun dungeon level design. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Like you can take the concepts and the situations presented in the I original mean, game and make something Matt, cool out of it. That's where I stopped playing the game. So right. <laughs> I hear you, man. Like I couldn't get through that section of the like, game. Like there's nothing much. in this game that justifies to me why they had to split this up into multiple oh, There's parts. also no reason that it's as long as it is. So I, so part of it to me, even if they don't agree with me, is I think the fans of this game deserve better than what they were given here. Okay. Uh, worst game I played this year? Disintegration. I don't know if you guys even remember this game. I don't even remember this. It is a... Oh, now I do. Now it I do. is a first-person shooter RTS hybrid from a former Halo developer. And what I learned about from this atrocious game is that just because somebody worked on a team that made a really good game, it doesn't mean their game is going to be good or maybe even average. Mm. Was this, this pre-pandemic? Was this like very yeah. early in the year? Yeah, it was early yeah. in the year. Yep. And um, 
It look, I admire that chances are he probably invested a lot of his own money into developing this game. And I like that he had this concept and he stuck with it and he saw it through and he eventually released it, but it just doesn't work. Uh, the mechanics in the in it don't work. The game looks terrible. That was just so bug riddled and they tried to do a campaign and it was even more <laughs> awkward. Like it it's awful. It's the worst game I played this year. And I did play some other bad ones, but this was the only one that I played where I was almost felt like offended that I had actually like spent time on it. So luckily it seems like uh, most people dodged this bullet. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't end up selling very well. It came and went because it didn't review very well, but it was the worst game I played this year. Uh, next up category. That's also fun called the game that we didn't get. This is a game that everybody loves and seems to be all over. And we're just like, what are these people thinking? I don't get it. So what is your pick for the game you didn't get, Matt? Well, I didn't want to repeat myself okay. with, from worst game. <laughs> I'll, I'll do um, it for you. <laughs> so, uh, so my pick for this, even though I, I liked it and I talked it up a fair amount on the show, uh, my pick is Genshin Impact. Uh, because uh, I built a lot of hype. I don't think that I don't think it's a bad game. I think it's okay. actually pretty surprisingly good value for what you get, considering it's free. Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't really have to. I played a fair amount of it and didn't feel like I ever had to spend money on it. And like it's it, you know for for a single player open world RPG for nothing, pretty great. But there are people who just call, like treat this like it's the second coming, and I don't get it. Like you well, know that, that is that free, was, and I got sucked in. It's free all to it, <laughs> but it's like there's not much to this, and I also yeah. don't understand. Look, I'm not I'm not a Breath of the Wild devotee by any stretch of imagination, but this game is not Breath of the Wild. Like, like oh, wait, are they trying to like say that? Trying to say it's like a Breath of the Wild clone or something. Uh, it's just like no, like oh, okay. just because yeah, there's a stamina meter when you climb make. something does not make it make it Breath of the Wild. Just because you can hang glide doesn't make it Breath of the Wild. It's Apparently, a, that's all it takes, man. Those two elements. No, it's it's a very it, it, it's. <laughs> It's not bad, but people like just like, I don't get no, the, the hype train for this. for this is huge, man. I totally yeah. get what you're saying. Um, um, so in terms of just like not getting it, like I get why people go crazy for Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, even if my reasons for that is not, even if the, my explanation for that is not very flattering to those who go nuts for it. This one I don't even have a theory. Like it's just, I guess because it's free. I guess you're right because it's free and it's just like high quality for something you would get for free that doesn't really push you into the gotcha elements too much. Um, unless you really desperately want particular characters, in which case I guess you are kind of stuck with that. But I feel like it gave me enough of a roster to work with just kind of, you know, organically that I've never felt the need to spend any money on the gacha stuff. Um, I haven't gotten super far into it because it's just, there's a lot. To, again, there's a lot. Well, I think that it. says a lot. It's true, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, I don't feel, I don't, I'm not compelled to keep going back to it in the way that I am to something like something like Warframe. Otherwise, this might have been. And that's also free, by the way. So Yeah. So, which also might might have been, and you know, this was this is a candidate for for ongoing game, game as a service. Yep. But I just it's just an element of it that like once I kind of got into it and kind of got through the the early kind of act early act one and everything, I kind of felt like I got it. I understood what it was about, and I didn't see much else down the road that was going to change things up or make things more interesting for me. So I just sort of drifted away from it. And I just I know some people that are just rabid for this it's game. Huge. I don't I don't get it. It's huge. I don't it's, it's, no, it's I don't either. I mean, it's not my pick, but I agree with you that it's a good pick. <laughs> and I and I will still say like go try it. Like I, yeah, I well, I'm not it's saying great. it's bad. I'm not, a, I'm not trying to tear it down and say it's a terrible yeah. game. It's a good game. But I just the hard drive space. Yeah. Go for it. Yep. I do have it installed on my PS5. Like I'm not I'm not bagging on it in that regard, but it's just like the 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 size of the praise it gets is a little mm, to me. 
Oh, by the way, Vincent says that the multiplayer in uh, Disintegration's already been shut down. So oh, wow. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, the game that I didn't get is Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I, <laughs> I don't really need to rehash what I just said in the prior category when talking about Matt's pick. But like I, I said, I feel like a child when I'm playing the game. And I have no problem playing any other game that's meant for kids. I don't know what it is about it. Um, I got to that big dead section in the middle that Matt talked about. I never made it past it. Um, I just don't get it. I don't, I, I've, I try to get it because it's like, I understand the nostalgia around Final Fantasy VII. I was a huge gamer. Like I had just like launched my website and like, it wasn't even like I was just buying and playing a lot of games. I was already covering games when Final Fantasy VII came out. So I'm trying to understand why people are so attached to it. I've never been able to figure it out all this time, Matt. I haven't. Um, and to me, honestly, I think the remake is better than the original in a lot of ways. I enjoyed playing a lot of it more. I but- certainly understand a lot of what they're going for in a lot of, in a lot of parts of it that I'd never understood, in part because you just can't tell what the hell's happening. Right, with because those the stupid- sprites and the graphics yeah. were so bad. And you know, right. just... Final Fantasy VII just came out at this awkward time in between tech, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of caught in this no man's land forever. And it's just lost there. So um, I actually enjoyed parts of the remake better than the original game. But I just don't understand the fascination around the original at all. Which means, by proxy, mm-hmm. I don't understand the obsession with the remake either. Um, yeah. Like so- early on, I was like, oh, this is work. This is I get I get more of like what they're trying to go for thematically and sort of like narratively than I did in the original game. Partly because I can see people people's faces and yeah. I understand what the expressions are and like the implications of things are more 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 out there and, and and clearer but like eventually like you say like the middle part just it just falls apart and there's nothing you're just like what am I doing Why I don't know I? how people made it through that section they just have to be hardcore fans that's all I can yeah. figure um okay next up best graphics and we're entering the big categories now people where we have runners up and winners uh, and like I said, the first one is best graphics. Matt, what is your runner-up? My runner-up is Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, wise choice. Yes, this is obviously the PlayStation 5 sort of like flagship game. Um, there is, and a lot of, uh, you know, the graphics on this are obviously amazing. Like if you got it, you've got it on quality. I played on quality, 30 frames a second, rock solid with the ray tracing on, all that stuff. All the bells and whistles in that regard are amazing. Uh but I am going to focus on this with uh, the thing that I really think puts Miles Morales over the top and the previous Spider-Man as well is the animation. Yeah, um, it's incredible. The animation in this game is I mean, the first astounding. Spider-Man was like that too. Oh yeah, this one is next This one is next level though. Yeah. Like, There is so much happening frame to frame with, with Miles in this that it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, if you slow even, it down... Slow it down. Go to go to SUNY Legends Twitter and look up his Miles Morales gifts that he's done. Uh, go look at James Ham, who's one of the animators on this game. He did uh, this, a lot of the swinging stuff in this game, and he posts a lot of stuff on that Twitter. That's great too. Um, his awkward his, swinging mechanics. <laughs> yeah, and all, like all his like stunts he does because you know yeah. I don't you, you don't he maybe has fun swinging. You don't yeah. maybe realize early on like the stunts in this are not just you know because in, in the first game it was a little more simple. It's like hold this, hold the button, and hit the D pad, and he does a little stuff. Miles has combos. Miles has like a oh, button, yeah. you go up, up, down, down, like do different ones. Like even like kind of rest in the midair and then like switch it, switch out. Yeah. Like it's the character that's expressed on a moment to moment basis in this game by every, everyone you run into, even there's the pedestrians is amazing. And it creates a sense of place in conjunction with the level, the graphics that are operating on that, that PS five level that it's just like nothing else. Like it's, 
it blew me away in a way that I wasn't expecting to be blown away by something by a game that basically takes place in the same map as a game I played two years ago. And also, like, Matt, it's just a PS4 game. Yeah, yeah. I remember that whole argument. <laughs> the Xbox fans were like, "That's not really an exclusive." Okay, it's like of all the arguments you should be making, as <laughs> that's really yeah. not the one you. I'd like to make. see one of them boot up Miles Morales in a PS5 and tell me it's not next gen. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> and now they've added ray tracing to the performance mode, so you can play it in 60 frames a second. Yeah. It's not on the quite it's on the amazing. same level, but it's just a, it's just it's a triumph. It is, it, and it's and you rarely see launch games. It, like really live up to kind of the promise of what you think this new hardware should do. And Miles Morales is one of those games. Yep. Uh, for me, my runner up and generally how I do these, and it's not on purpose. It just kind of ends up working out this way. Usually one of my picks is just for like raw horsepower, like eye popping, like which has the most polys and all the effects. And then my other pick will take kind of art and uh, artistic elements into account. So my runner-up is the Brute Force pick, and it is the Demon Souls remake. Um, mm. Nothing this year has shocked me like that game has. And it's subtle because the game is so dark that it's really hard to make out detail. But it's like just that flicker of a torch that just catches like an enemy the right way. And then you see the detail. <laughs> it's petrifying like the first time you see some of the faces of the enemies in this game and you don't like you'll fight like 15 of them before you ever really get a good look at each one of the enemies and it's just mind-blowing everything about it the lighting now obviously was hampered by the fact that it was based off a prior game and so we're not getting like the gigantic draw distances that we're going to see in ratchet and uh, games like horizon uh, but just to see the texture quality, all the effects, the character model detail, the environmental detail, the frame rate, when all that stuff is firing at once, it's a beast. And it's just a start. Like, man, that is the beginning. That's like the first real next-gen game we got. And it already was good enough to get runner-up for best graphics from me. And now it's time for the winner. And I think people may be surprised that both of us picked mm -hmm. the same winner here. But the winner for best graphics for 2020 is Ghost of Tsushima. Mm -hmm. Matt and I both chose Ghost of Tsushima. I'll just say this, Matt. When I, I know there's people who's like, oh my God, Matt didn't pick Demon's Souls, or neither of them picked Last of Us Part Two. Like, what did it? There is no other game this year that stopped me in my tracks repeatedly. This, this was one. a hard category, though, Matt. I it was. was. I had was. the Last of Us Part Two on there until like the very end. It is. <sighs> Nothing else made me stop and take screenshots right, like this right. game. Yeah, absolutely. Or just stop in the game. Yeah. Like every game, it's like, that's pretty, but you just keep running or you keep riding. In Ghost of Tsushima, I stopped and yeah. I just watched and watched the grass sway and watched like these little wisps of like fog blow through like the, mm -hmm. it's just... Like, is it a technical achievement on the level of Last of Us Part Two? Probably not. But yeah. is it an art direction and use of color and use of environment triumph? Yep. Yes, this is this is sucker punch firing on all it's cylinders unreal. and just taking advantage of the HDR, taking advantage of the setting, taking advantage of just their expertise in using color, which they've always been really good at. And just just random locations that aren't any, you know, they're not they're significant. They're not, significant they're not they're not stunning. places where cutscenes happen. They're not places. Where, but you just end up it's like, oh, my God, look at that view. Look at that. Yeah. Vista. Look, I'm standing in this river and I have to stop and look because there's these trees that are reflecting in the river. And I got to take a shot of that. Like I had something like a gig and a half of screenshots of this game by the so time many. I was finished with it. And I never do that. Me I either. never I'll, stop. I take and take like shots. usually I take like 
six or seven screenshots per game that I play. Yeah. And that's just for for me to put like on the game pages for mm -hmm. us to use on the site and things like that. But this game, I just kept snapping and snapping. Yeah. I was taking um, pictures. I, I'd load them into my computer. I'd email them to people or text them to people. <laughs> like, look at this thing. And like, like people were getting tired of, of me. <laughs> people were getting tired of me sending them pictures of my samurai game by the end of all that. It was, but it was just incredible. Like, it's, it's the perfect meeting for that piece of hardware of yeah. the tech and artist. It just is. It. It was the first game I played when I got my LG CX OLED mm -hmm. for a reason. I specific, I have it on disc. I went and dug out the disc and put it in my PS4 Pro just so that was the first game I could see with my new TV. It's, mm -hmm. the, it's just the perfect cross between technology and artistry. And it is, it's hard it to hit the, that. It is one of the best syntheses of, of those two things in the history of the medium. I'd agree. It's stunning. Everyone who sees it, says it's yeah. stunning. My wife, her I've never seen my wife's eyeballs pop like that looking at a video game. She just couldn't even believe it was real. So, yeah. Best graphics of 2020, Ghost of Tsushima. Congratulations, Sucker yeah. Punch. Not just a technical category. Nope. You, gotta, nope. you can't, can't forget that. Absolutely. Uh, next up, most innovative, and we also have a runner-up and a winner for this. This category wasn't as easy this year. Um, I'll just fully admit it was not hard, it was not easy to find a lot of truly innovative products from Yeah, there wasn't a ton of innovation. You know, and that's yeah. But that's okay. We still got great games. Yeah. Um, Matt, what's your runner up for most innovative? Uh this the runner up is is chosen with a little bit of whimsy. Um and it's uh, Man Eater. Okay. Uh I appreciate it's not the first game game where you play as a shark, but it is the one that commits to that idea the most. And Matt, I, it's the only one that did not make me vomit. There you go. <laughs> Jaws Unleashed. Jaws Unleashed. Played two shark yeah. games, and the other one was Jaws Unleashed. That literally made me vomit. So yeah, this is um, the, the first shark PG. Yeah. Um, really delivered on that in a way I was not expecting, and uh, like they took a what is a fairly ridiculous concept, and they made a pretty good game out of it. And nice. and like the further you go, like the more that you see all these things they've entertained, they're taking kind of, you know, RPG, you know, staples and adapting them to this sort of free, free swimming shark idea. And it mostly works. And I mean, they, and, dude, it does work. And that's, yeah. that's what makes it innovative. You're controlling a fish for like <laughs> 30 hours and it's fun and it yeah. works. That is an achievement. And yeah. so, and they, a, uh, and, and like they even have next gen versions. Like yeah. you, if you have Xbox, you got a Series X version of this game for for no extra charge. <laughs> it's really crazy. Like it's it's so amazing. many other guys couldn't do it, but yeah. somehow man, Cyber Cyberpunk didn't get that <laughs> shit out, but Maneater did. <laughs> it's great. Uh, my runner up is Fall Guys um, for obvious reasons. The reason it isn't my winner is because. We're going to see for the next several years. It's blah, 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 Battle Royale. It's it's mm -hmm. XCOM, Battle Royale. It's like Civ Six Battle Royale. Like, I just think that we're going to see this stuff constantly. It's going to be whether the studios can actually make it work or not as to whether we actually see it. But I just mm -hmm. think it's easy to come up with that concept of platformer Battle Royale. You can put yeah, it's like Battle Royale meets Ninja Warrior is basically right. what we've it's got like, here. So, but... you know, I, they did a great job and they executed well on it. And so it deserves runner up. And that's what it got. So, Matt, what is your winner? For My winner, going back to this one again, is Hades. Um, and the main reason I would pick, I pick it as innovative is because it takes a genre that I generally bounce right off of and can't really stand and turns it into something that I couldn't stop playing. 
Yeah. Um, the yeah, way I they, like I don't like that that genre either. And yeah, I way, played this far longer. Oh yeah, the way they took the the roguelike ideas and kind of turned them into something that made narrative sense, which is almost impossible, and turned into something that was fun to play every time you went for another run. Um, was just it's just a testament to how good those guys are. Uh, the, uh, they they are uh, in some ways at the top of the indie game in in and I don't think it's even close in a couple of places. Yeah, there are some um, good, there are some good studios out there. There are some good studios, but in terms of just some like you know, the voice acting work, but they've earned it the, too. I mean, they, they, yeah. it's like their third fourth game. Um, and the and that's the, that's, yeah. it's the fourth game, and it's also important to 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 me to point out that uh, they get better every time. Everyone. Yeah. Like they 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 are learning and I adapting. I think some people and, might argue the transistor was at least a side step. Maybe I don't like Bastion or Transistor very much. I like um, Bastion a lot. But. I I want to, but something about Bastion leaves me cold, and Transistor I didn't particularly like. But I like what they were trying to do. I just yeah. didn't. It just didn't click with me. Yeah. Uh, Pyre I liked a lot. I think to the. I think I like Pyre enough that you were surprised by how I was I surprised. Pyre. It was a sports game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What something about that game just spoke to. I think the world it takes place in, like like it is very interesting and weird for sure. And um and this game does similar similar things but it does it with a genre that i almost never like i mean i guess you kind of could say the same thing about the sports genre and pyre but yeah. these guys have a way of figuring out a spin on things that normally don't grab me that just capture me in a in you know weird uh I, it's it, it's it's fascinating to watch it happen to myself and so i that's <laughs> that's why i give it to this because it took this thing that i would normally never even try and turn it into something that i couldn't put down okay um my winner for most innovative is a game that might be able to actually make Hades and that is yeah. dreams. <laughs> um, I have been, I don't know if any of you guys have gone back. If you even bought dreams, it doesn't seem like it sold that well. Uh, but if any of you have got it and you haven't booted it up, go back now and look at the creations that people have made. Talk about blowing your freaking mind. It is unreal what people have created in those tools. Um, I don't think you could actually build a Hades, but the fact that I that I'm actually wondering if you could just shows you why. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't bet against it. Yes, like I think you could maybe jimmy a couple things and get pretty darn close. So um, I wish it had sold better. It's really a shame that stuff like this doesn't sell better because it discourages other people from doing it. Well, I would I mean, think that most of the sales on this would be digital, so we wouldn't even know. Yeah, um, I just. I don't anecdotally, it just doesn't seem like I haven't seen like anyone on my friends list playing it or anything like that. You know, all those little things that kind of add up to me thinking something is or isn't a certain way. <laughs> my special sauce or whatever it is, I don't know. But whatever it is, the, me taking in information and then spitting it out, um, that is my analysis of what's been going on there. So um, I, I really enjoy Dreams. And the best part about it to me was that it was also an enjoyable single player game on its own. Um, and also it gave you the opportunity to kind of see what was possible inside the tools. Uh, the tools were way more user-friendly than they were before. It's basically drag and drop, copy and paste. Um, they just made all their tools better uh, and easier, more importantly, so that people could get the most out of them. And that is exactly what has happened with Dreams. Okay, it's time for the really big ones. Our most anticipated game of 2021. And Matt, this was hard. This This is... I mean, these awards were easy, I'll be honest with you. This one was the hardest category, I think. This is the one I thought about for a really, really mm -hmm. long time because next gen's coming next year, man. Like, it'll be full throat, not just this, like, 
Now eh, here's a launch, maybe kind of like it's coming. So it's fun. It's funny. This was the easiest, one of the easiest for oh, me. There are good. there are no lucky you. <laughs> there are no other games on the slate that um that I have more, are more interesting to me than than these two. Okay. It was a little, and I guess actually it wasn't that hard to put them in order. <laughs> I think about it because of the reputation of the previous one of the other one. Okay, so what is your runner-up for most anticipated game of 2021? Uh, my runner-up is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Um, yep. <laughs> because uh, because I think this is where, you know, Miles Morales is amazing, and but I think this is where we're really going to see the PS5 yeah, stretch its next legs. Next Gen begins here. Like, that yeah. should be the slogan for that game. Like, that should be the subtitle. Ratchet and Clank, Next Gen begins here. <laughs> yeah, that should be the slogan for Insomniac. That should be, yeah, on, that should be on, the, on the sign on the building, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. And that sign will last forever because they'll keep being new generations and it'll always make sense. Yeah. <laughs> At least I hope so. If Pactor's future doesn't happen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take, uh, so it's take another weird major world event for that to happen, I think. So yeah. I think we're safe uh, for now. I agree with you, Matt. Like, I'm really geeked up for this game. Um, but uh, there are so many good games scheduled for next year. It, it was the last game cut. I'll say that. Um, my runner-up is Horizon Forbidden West. Um, it... Obviously, Horizon Zero Dawn ended up selling like over 10 million copies for a new mm -hmm. IP. It did huge for a reason. Um, and what I really liked about Horizon is that, again, uh, things that I generally gravitate to are games that try to do things a little bit differently than all the others. And this game certainly had tons of elements that you weren't seeing in a lot of other open-world action RPGs. And just based upon what we've seen of the new game, it looks like it's going to continue. So... I'm intrigued by the stuff that they've shown in the trailer because it looks like there might be like a like a paradigm shift in technology in the world. Like some of the gear and stuff that she's using looks like it doesn't quite fit into the first game. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do with all that stuff. Um, in all honesty, like what we've seen so far is ambiguous. We don't know. We don't have a lot of information about it, how it ties into the first game. Uh, a big part of it for me is just what they did with the first game. And I love it so much that I am willing not to give them a pass, but to just maybe give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And now it's time, Matt, for you to pick your winner. For well, my winner is just keep, game of just, keep the, <laughs> just keep the B-roll rolling because it, it's Horizon Forbidden West. Um, I mean, His Horizon. winner is, is uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Yes, because that was my. Uh, you I know, couldn't my, figure out how to transition, Matt. I was like, my, "What should my I game do? of the year?" <laughs> it's my game of the year for 2017. Of course, the follow up is going to be Up my there. top yeah. thing. Yep. So, so everything you just said. Okay. I agree. All right. <laughs> what else can you say? Yeah. Until we it, find well, more we've also out. talked about that game, like the first game, how many times, and we just don't have yeah. any information on the sequel yet. So, a lot of it is based on faith, but I feel like they've earned that faith for sure. Um, next up. Game of the year. Well, actually, before that, year I get to I get to pick my most anticipated <laughs> in 2021. Um, and I don't think it'll be, anyone will be surprised by my pick, but I think I'm surprised that you didn't at least include it, and that's God of War. God Ready of War is not War. coming out next year. It's right now it's scheduled for 2021. That's all I can do, Matt, is take whatever date they give us and assume right. that's the date. I mean, I, I know don't. that's not the case, but... <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. though, like I, I think the chances of it coming out next year are probably 30% or less, but it's scheduled mm. for 2021. So I can't just assume like, look, they may have been cranking on this thing and it may actually come out. So if it does come out, that is my most anticipated mm. game. I've talked about why the God of War reboot has been my game of the whatever for a long time. A lot of 
personal uh, reflection in relation to that game. Uh, went through a really tough time when that game came out, and in some ways, I think it really helped me. So, and on top of the fact that it's just freaking amazing. So, mm-hmm. Sony Santa Monica, God of War, if it's 2021, definitely my most anticipated. No doubt yeah. about it. I anticipate it will not come out in 2021. <laughs> I, I would say that, too. Um, okay. There's, there's, another one, there's another one you can have for free in the, the, the fantasy draft. <laughs> there's not a chance in hell. Oh, I'm definitely not picking that in a draft, no. man. That's not happening. <laughs> I'm no fool. Although, maybe a little bit in fantasy drafts. Um, and next up, as I just stupidly teased, Game of the Year is next. And this is also one uh, where we have a runner-up and a winner. And the other problem, too, for the, of the way we do these is by the time we get to the end of this list, we've talked about all these. That's why I was trying to like curb you, like, curb you on Hades. Because mm-hmm. I was like, bro, you, you Hades wins like two more times. <laughs> you need to leave some stuff to say. Because at the end... You've run out of things to say about these yeah. games. But, but that's we, okay, because by the end, we're also trying to get to the end of the That's right, and that's exactly what we're doing right now. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is fun. I'm having a good time with this show. Uh, game of the Year. Runner-up, Matt. What is your runner-up for Game of the Year 2020? Runner-up is Ghost of Tsushima. I don't think anybody um, who has watched a single episode of Game Face is surprised by that at no. all. Yep. Uh, this is the I mean, this is the game that came along right at the right time, right in the kind of the the... The big, the first big hump of pandemic uh, lockdown as well, yep. and it was just some, was one of the few games this year uh, that I've been able to really kind of lose myself in and not worry about anything else while I'm playing it. Um, increasingly, that is a thing that is hard to do uh, in the situation we're in, and I and also I just I love everything Sucker Punch has ever made uh, to some degree or another, uh, and this just continues the trend. Um, I love running around the open world, doing random stuff. I love this. I like the story of the, with all the side character stories. The main story was fine, but the ones that, the stuff that really shine were the the characters sagas. Like for each of the side side characters, it kind of yeah. fleshed out who they were. Yep. Uh, and I I intend as soon as I have some free time, I'm going to go back and play it again on PS5. Like it's it's and it's gorgeous as we already talked about. The other the thing I like graphics. about it, Matt, is you can also play this game however you want. Like yeah. I found this guy on YouTube who just played it perfectly and like he does stuff that i've never seen anyone do in the game like he i don't even know how to explain it like the moves that he does to like block like incoming attacks and then like his counters like they're not even counters and they just like slide in half and like fall over like yeah dude, this game is so awesome um definitely worthy i wouldn't even care if you've given it game of the year i would have mm-hmm. not fought you on that at all just a classy classy game um, we need more of those games that you're not embarrassed if your wife or your girlfriend walks <laughs> in while you're playing it. In fact, you might even be proud and try to get her to play it. So, um, yeah, Ghost of Tsushima, top shelf stuff. Um, and you guys may be very surprised by my runner up for game of the year. Um, and it is Cyberpunk 2077. And I know you guys are like, what? The game's broken. What? So, as I've gotten older, when I used to do game of the year stuff, I. As I've said, when we had big editorial staffs and things like that, we'd get in a room and 15 of us would like fight it out or whatever. But when you don't have those people, you have to figure out a way to do it on your own and have it be true to how you feel and be effective. And what I have found for me personally is I look back on the games I played and then I try to think of the ones that stuck with me. The ones that when I finished playing for the night, it maybe was hard to go to sleep for a little bit. Uh, The ones where if I did play until late in the night, when I woke up, the first thing that I thought about in the morning was the game. Stuff like that. 
Um, and this game, Cyberpunk 2077, has done it to me. The characters, the city, which is a character all on its own, um, the the world building, the RPG element, the, the systems that are running under the hood that are already working great, uh, regardless of the bugs. I know it's weird, and, it, and it's it can be tough to explain why is my runner. I just think it's even when it is finally the bugs are fixed. It's probably it might be the best game from 2020. To be perfectly honest with you, I just I know a lot of you guys are struggling to hear this right now because maybe you played an hour or you got the PS base PS4 version or you got the base Xbox One version and you've already returned it and it looked like a PlayStation. I get it. I've seen all the videos. I know CD Projekt Red screwed everybody, and I think that sucks. And if you guys haven't figured it out, I am not a fan of CD Projekt Red, but I just cannot deny what this game has done to me. I can't. The world feels like it's just soaked into me, and I feel like I'm a part of it. And when I leave it, I want to go back to it, and when I'm not in it, I think about it. Um, and I don't think, no matter how many bugs there are in the game, that part of it, anybody can deny. And I think once the bugs are worked out of it, everyone's going to have a much different opinion on Cyberpunk 2077. And with that, it's time for our game of the year. <laughs> Matt, what is your game of the year for 2enty? And we can say it together because yeah. it is The Last, Last of, of Us Part, part two. 2. Yep. <laughs> this easy. Easy. Mm -hmm. It's now look, I'll say this. If Cyberpunk had come out polished, yeah, it wins. Yeah, for me. that would that would have been a that would have been a competition. It for would sure. Cyberpunk could have been almost as good as people thought it was going to be, but it's mm -hmm. not. It's busted. The Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> There's is, a box quote. Almost yeah, as good as you not, thought it was yeah. going to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's not. It's busted. This game is the furthest thing from busted. It might be the most polished piece of software I have ever played, and just I just cannot find a weakness in the game. Not one. Like, mm. if anything, it's like, okay, there's no multiplayer mode. Like, but you know, which is apparently coming. So I knew it is exactly. So it's. Just everything about it. It is just so clean. The story is so good. The performances are so awesome. The tech is so strong. It's it's game of the year 2020. I don't know mm -hmm. how anyone can give it to anything else. I really don't. Yeah. It was yet another it was a net another follow like second place fight. Yeah, that's yeah. really what it is. Yep, absolutely. Um and look, you know, I really like Cyberpunk 2077. I can totally understand where Ghost of Tsushima is your runner up. Mm -hmm. Totally get it. Um, so there you go. There are there's our game of the year for 2020. A big occasion. It's the Last of Us Part Two. But now it's time for our generation awards. We have just two more awards left. First of all, thank you guys for sticking around for this whole stream. We're coming up on a four-hour stream at this point, and you guys are still flooding the chat with comments. It's amazing. Thank you for staying with us this whole time. Awesome, but I would, I'll would i be honest with you, I would expect nothing less from you guys because y'all are the best. All right, here we go. Generation Awards. These are as big as they get. These are bigger than Game of the Year. This is Matt and I looking back across the last seven years uh, and picking the best game and the best platform from the last seven years. And we do have runner-ups for both of these as well. Um, and we're going to start things off with the game of the generation. Matt, what is your runner-up? 
I my runner up is the one that only I picked. I'm pretty sure across the entire industry, and that is No Man's Sky. Yeah, I, I totally. Um, anyway, again, anyone who has watched Game Face will not be surprised by that at all. No, um, this is you know I already liked it when it launched in the condition it was in. It has only gotten better. Uh, Hello Games has supported this thing with the force of a thousand developers at this point, like it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah. how hard hello games has gone in into listening to the community and improving the game and adding more things and coming up with new ideas and making it. It's not, it's much like Warframe. If you only played this thing back when it came out or looked at it, when it came out, it is not that game anymore uh, mm-hmm. for, for entirely for good reasons. Um, it is it is like playing something else, and I have you know I, just, I have played this game across all three platforms over a thousand hours. Um, it, my biggest one being PS4. Like the PS4 save is up to five hundred hours now. But um, and this is one of those games like like you kind of describe Fall Guys as like if I have just a little bit of time, I'll jump in, I'll go pick up the stuff from my mining colonies, I'll go out and explore a couple planets, like clear out a solar system, jump to the next warp, warp out to the next unexplored system, land on the land on the space station, get out, quit the game. I played for like 20 minutes. I'm done for the day. Um, but I always, always, always come back to this game over and over and over, even four years later. But that's the way it is designed. Yeah. Is that it doesn't, you don't get tired of it. If you like it, you're going to like it forever. Yep. You never that's run the, out. That's yep, for sure. There's yep. always another place to look at, and uh, it's more, even more interesting now that they've they've changed up how the planets get used and how the environments work. Like you can find real interesting places to look at and creatures to see, and they just continue to add more and more things. The next gen upgrade even improved it more on PS5. Um, it just keeps going, and they're not done yet. So uh, I can I I I will always advocate for this game and and continually go back to it. Uh, it's great. Okay. My runner-up, and actually, maybe we should just do this as a joint announcement, Matt. My runner-up is the same as Matt's winner, and Matt, I'll just yeah. let you announce it. Which it is, is not going to surprise anybody <laughs> that it is The Witcher 3 Wild yeah. Hunt. Yep. Um, it's my runner-up and Matt's Game of the Generation. Yeah. Um, this this is another both one. Both our Game of the Year from 2017. Yeah, 2015. 2015, sorry. Yeah. Uh, this is... Um, uh, although still pretty great in 2017. Yes, um, <laughs> it actually may have been better in 2017. Yeah, by the time they patch everything, got all the DLC out, it's great. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, and uh, this is another one of those, you know, just one of those games that uh, I mean, the, what you how you've talked about Cyberpunk today pretty much describes how I feel about this game. Like it pulls yeah. me in. I am part of the, that world. I just want to know more. I want to see more. I want to meet more people. Meet more people. Do more things. Kill more weird creatures. Find out what kind of weird spins on you know. The, the, uh, one of the things I love about the the CD Project Witcher take is that they take um, you know, and it goes back to the books as well. But like they take kind of you know known fairy tales and legends, and they kind of have these weird darker twists on them, which are often more, more accurate to the original legends and fairy tales, like before they got sanitized for a child audience. Um, and I love that kind of, they kind of take that and go back to things like that. It's very compelling to me. I love Geralt as a character. I hope one day I feel the same way about the cyberpunk experience. I feel like it's there if they, if they can polish it to that point. Um, I think they will. And I played this game to 100% completion. They can't give up on it. <laughs> I played this game to 100% completion three separate times on three different platforms. Um, like it just, and I, the last time I didn't even mean to. I just, I just booted it up to see how it looked on the Xbox One X, and yeah. all of a sudden it was 80 hours later. 
And um, it, and that is just a game that it brings me back over and over again in the same way that Mass Effect did last generation. And there's just no comparison. Uh, obviously, I played No Man's Sky more, but this is a more curated and more focused and polished experience. And it has to get my generation more. No All right. My game of the generation is, and I don't think this will surprise anybody either, it is God of War. Um, I've talked ad nauseum about what it is about this game that really resonates with me. Personal experiences that happened when the game came out. Um, I also, I have not been a huge RPG gamer my whole life. I came, so some people come to action RPG from the action or from the RPG side and then move towards action. I came from the action side and moved towards RPG. And so... God of War was the perfect mix for me. It was just slightly tilted a little bit more towards action than RPG stuff, and that's exactly what I want. Story was great. Um, the scale of the game was amazing. Um, I'm hoping the new game will be an open-world game instead of kind of this pseudo-open world, but I wouldn't even be disappointed if they did that again because it works so well. So, it just again, just like The Last of Us Part Two, it's just a complete package. Um, and for me, it was very emotional, and uh, and that endeared the game to me on a level that few other games ever have um and i know hopefully i never go through something like that again in my life and so i don't know if another game will ever kind of imprint on me again the way that god of war did because let's face it that's what happened um and i love that game and it is my game of the generation if there's another reinvention reboot re you know re i don't know what you'd call it uh, of a franchise that's better than this, I can't think of it right now. I, well, definitely not. But I think maybe someday we'll see one. But uh, there's, I don't think there's another one that's really close, to be honest with you. In ter- especially like- in terms of something that reinvented the wheel so hard into something different and still managed to capture so much of what made the original good and also went beyond it also, to be better. Also, something that was so successful. I yeah. mean, it's not like God of War stopped selling like a lot of franchises and they're like, oh, we need to reboot it now because people don't right. like it anymore. They rebooted it because they're like, we need to reboot this freaking thing. Yeah, we're we're bored. Let's make that's this like something you, but different. That's yeah. what the good studios do, right. Matt. Those they don't rest guys, on they, they're like, that's not good enough. It's just not. So yeah. there you go. God of War, my game of the generation. Uh, next up, platform of the generation. This is some heavy hitter stuff right here. So this is where we basically pick the best platform from the last seven years. Uh, and that includes PC, Switch, Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Now, again, just like our our yearly award for, for best platform, it's not just like which one can create the most polygons. That's just a part of it. Hardware power, software, services, all of it is taken into, into account. And in this case, we're taking it into account over the last seven years. Um, now I'll say this. This one was hard for me, too. Um and I think you can see by our runners-up maybe where my conflict was. Matt, what is your runner-up for platform of the generation? My runner-up is maybe a little surprising for someone who has such a powerful PC, but I went with Xbox One. Yeah, I was uh, surprised by this. Not because of the overall, you know, I think Xbox One started pretty weak, but once I got an Xbox One X in the house, um, I have played the majority of multi-platform stuff on that system for the last three and a half years. And um, which I did not expect. I basically got the, the Xbox One X because I wanted a 4K Blu-ray player. I did not expect to sh- have it become suddenly such a major factor in my daily gaming uh, life um, because the Xbox One had been a non-factor for a couple of years by that point. I basically played everything on PS4 and PS4 Pro 
And if I didn't play it on that, I played it on PC. But the Xbox One X changed things around to the point that holding the Xbox One controller is more natural to me than almost anything else right now. Yeah, I hear you. I, so, I love Xbox controllers. So in the end, uh, looking back on kind of the generation, you know, and, and maybe tilting it a little harder toward the second half of the generation, but um, the Xbox One X has really helped define uh, how I've played games for the last several years. Um, and that doesn't mean I won't abandon the fuck out of it if the stuff runs better on PlayStation <laughs> Five. Um, but in terms of this generation, like, play, like Xbox One X finished real strong and made a strong. And you impression use it as your me. third party console at the end. Pretty much, yeah. I play everything. Everything that isn't exclusive to PlayStation pretty much goes on the Xbox One X or yep. did. Now who knows what the next gen holds? But uh, that's and it's also prevented me from having to spend the money to build a new gaming PC. So I appreciate that too because the current PC kind of does what I need to do for indie and, and more general stuff. And the Xbox One X plays the AAA stuff just fine for me. Yep. Um, this was a really hard. This was really hard for me. But I honestly didn't even consider Xbox One as a runner-up because all I ever had was the base Xbox One. Yeah. And that thing was a piece of crap, man. It is. It's terrible. Not only is the hardware way underpowered, like the power button eventually stops working. <laughs> like my Twice. My base, my launch unit that I got, the thing mm -hmm. just started turning on on its own. They send me a replacement. A year later, it starts doing the right. same thing. Well, I mean, don't forget. And the hardware isn't everything. But don't it's forget, hard. I had the day one edition of Xbox One and the control broke and I sent it right sent it and then repairs. it all exploded they, they sent it back and it, it was basically a time bomb like it was yeah. if I hadn't yeah. touched it with my foot it would have exploded on yeah. the couch so yeah a yeah. uh, big turnaround between 2013 and 2017 there yeah and so yeah, I never got like the one x so I just had that base one and so I never played yeah. any third party games on it and there were no good first party games no, the, so the one x makes all the difference before I got the one x I don't think I turned on my vanilla Xbox one yeah. in a year why like, would just, you there's, there's no, no reason for it so anyway, that was just kind of disqualified for me. So what it came down for me was PC and Nintendo Switch. And it was really hard to decide because to me, PC has made a huge move in the last like five or six years. I mean, just think about it. PlayStation exclusives are now being released for PC. So are Xbox exclusives. So... Why do you buy the consoles, right? Well, and so it's tough. I came, it came down between PC and Switch for me, but the Switch, because it is something different, Nintendo was brave and decided to not just follow, and actually Pactor does a great job talking about this stuff in the latest Pactor Factor, uh, which is like, what will Nintendo do to counter PS5 and Xbox Series X? Um, and I'm not going to ruin what he says, but he does a really good job of explaining why the Switch has become a phenomenon and why essentially what other people are doing will never really affect Nintendo because it has found the blue ocean and it has managed to stay in it and keep swimming in it. Um, and just the fact that I could, I had a console that I could plug in. And I know, Matt, I know you don't care about this. I do. I like it. I like being able to play it as a console or as a handheld. Now, I do play it probably 90% of the time as a console. Uh, but when I do go on trips, I like to be able to take it with me and play really good games on the go. So um, then you start looking at the software library. I mean, Nintendo has knocked it out of the park with the Switch. We've never had all these franchises in this quantity, at this quality, at this early in a Nintendo console's life cycle. So Nintendo has just knocked it out of the park. Um, when Nintendo does that, it's really hard for me to to give the nod to PC over Nintendo. So my runner-up 
for platform of the generation is the Nintendo Switch. So much stuff I played on there, I can only play on there. So my runner up. And now it's time for the winner for the platform of the generation. And again, we picked the same thing and it is PlayStation, PlayStation 4. PlayStation 4. Yeah. I mean, looking at our games of the generation, it's kind of, you know, obviously mine, are, mine are not exclusive. I mean, just but look at yours the last, are. like our rundown right now. Just look yeah. at the last like eight categories and look at how many of them, even dreams, like how many mm -hmm. of them were dominated by plays. It's just and it's like you, in you this can, way from day one. <laughs> yeah, and you can talk, it's like, okay, two PlayStation exclusives have been put on PC. I'm going to need to see a lot more than that before I right. don't think PlayStation is useful as a console right, because right. I'll, you know, even if I never play another non-exclusive game on PlayStation 5, I will want to own that PlayStation 5. Same for Nintendo systems. You know, I'm I'm fine owning Nintendo systems so I can play Nintendo's games and nothing else. Like, because they're worth playing to me. Like, that's worth it to me to, to have a, a method of playing those games. And PlayStation would be that without it. And even then, like, for a lot of the generation, PlayStation was useful for, um, you know, multi-platform games as well because it was way ahead of the Xbox One when when launch happened and, and you were getting better versions there, which is a big turnaround from the previous generation, which I think is a testament to Sony's ability to listen and, and roll with the punches. PlayStation um, 4, tape-to-tape -tape winner. Yeah. It, it led out of the gate and it led until the end. Nobody mm -hmm. caught him. They just dominated. And and they, it doesn't look like that's changing. And it looks like we may be getting a complete repeat again because back when I called for Phil Spencer's head, if they had actually done something when I called for Phil Spencer's head, they'd be good right now, Matt. If they had bought all those studios back when I was railing on Phil, they'd be good. They'd be three years out from when they bought the studios mm -hmm. and all the games would be rolling in just in time for this generation. That's why I was so hard on him. I'm like, bro, you're letting your chance to win next gen slip away. And he did, and we're seeing it already. So PlayStation 4, kudos to Sony, man. They, as you said, they turned it around. PlayStation 3, even though a lot of people will say, oh, they ended up winning. They didn't end up winning. They got their asses kicked. They just sold their console longer than Microsoft did. This was not the case. <laughs> there was no coming back for Microsoft this time. Sony put his foot down and just kept the accelerator down for seven, basically seven years straight, which ultimately led into a very successful launch of the PlayStation 5. So there you go. Our platform of the generation, PlayStation 4. And we do have one more fun category before we go. Um, you know, I was the EIC of game trailers. I still love video game trailers a lot. Um, and so every year when we do our Game of the Year Awards, I do go out and I try to find my favorite game trailer for the year. And this year, the winner is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart debut trailer. And the reason it wins is because it's the most next-gen thing my eyes have still ever seen. And not only that, it mixes everything. It has cinematics. It sets up the plot. It shows you a new character that's going to be in the game. And then it just shows you this chunk of face-melting gameplay. It's awesome. Great trailer. Nothing got me as excited for next-gen as that trailer. Um, still, when I watch it, I get excited. Like, I can't wait to play it. So... Uh, just what it does for me is it just reminds me so much good stuff is to come, people. Like, I know it's easy to look at a console launch, and we all do it. We're like, what is it? No, it's launch. 
wait two years when they're right into the metal on these machines. We are going to get some amazing games. I cannot wait. And I cannot wait as well to get back in 2021 to hang out with you folks. Um, it has been a crazy year. I'm not going to sit here and wrap up the whole year. I think I'm going to do that on Ask Shane Anything. Um, in fact, we'll be asking for new questions for that here in the next day or so. And also don't forget, you know, I mentioned in Game Face that we're giving away 10 free t-shirts. If you've lost your job and you're a Sifted subscriber and you want a shirt, just DM me on Sifted at Shane and we'll get you a free shirt courtesy of Sifter Suicide King. Um, but I don't want to sit here and rehash the whole year. I do want to thank all the people who have helped us, Matt, Jared, um, for Game Face in the studio. And then we have Vincent, who's helping out with all this other stuff. And he's living in like the Midwest. And then we have Mitch, who rolled out here um, and helped us for a while. And all you guys who are just pledging on our Patreon or on our old subscription system, or you're just donating or whatever you're doing, you're just sharing the show on social media. We appreciate all of it. Um, I am shocked. When this year started and COVID hit, I really thought it was going to be the end of Sifted. I'll be honest with you. I was like, how is this going to happen? All of our people are going to lose their jobs and I'm going to lose my job because you, I can't blame them. <laughs> it's like you lose your job, your priorities. You got to eat. You got to pay your rent. I was like, of course, the first thing you're going to cut is Sifted. And somehow, some way, we made it this year, all because of you. All those little bits and pieces coming together to make a whole. Um, so anything that you do to help us, again, if, if I tweet out, hey, here's a new episode of Game Face on YouTube for free now, and you like it or retweet it, retweets are preferred. But if you do that, thank you. It all makes a difference. Like if you don't have any money, just share our stuff. It makes a difference for us. So uh, I hope you guys have had a great year uh, just experiencing this insane launch year mixed in with COVID. Man, we just stuck it out together. Like somehow it was like, I don't know, for me, a lot of ways Sifted was just like a refuge. It was a place I could go where I could forget about a lot of the insanity that was going on and just really enjoy something I really love. It was a nice escape. Um, and you guys were all a part of that being there, the great community we have there, all the great discussions we've had. That, I mean, I could just go on and on. And if you want a New Year's resolution and you're one of our patrons, your New Year's resolution should be to spend more time on sifted.net and less time at patreon.com. Because as you can see, our community isn't at Patreon. It's at sifted.net. And our community is awesome. They're all older. They're adults. They're mature. They don't act like idiots. Um, and honestly, looking around the internet, that's hard to find these days. So that's what I would hope in 2021 from our patrons. Come over to the site, link your accounts, become a part of the community. We're all just like you. And I want everyone unified. As I always say, unity is our force. There's nothing stronger than unity. So let's unite in 2021. Uh, I look forward to having a great year with all you guys, with Matt, with Jared, with Vincent, uh, we're looking at launching a really cool show in the early part of 2021 that I'm not going to spoil yet. Got lots of stuff going on and we're really excited about it. So thanks to everyone, the people who are giving the bits and everything right now in our chat and even just stuck around for this whole freaking stream. It's like four, four hours and 15 minutes at this point. You guys are awesome. Um, so thank you very much for everything. Thanks to everyone who helped sift it in any way. We love you guys and we'll see you next year.